Sarah. Sarah. Bellum. Bellum. Sarah Bellum. Oh my god. She's like, I'm smart because I work at the New York Times. That's why my name is Brain. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how you know I'm smart and I work at the New York Times. Literally every New York Times op-ed columnist. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is to describe a memorable um, birthday party that you had. A la Juniper and Dagwood this episode. That sure was memorable. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have both of you beat, so I'd like to go last. Yeah, you can. Okay. All right. Well, in in that case, my name is Brittany <laughs> Ray. I'm a 31-year-old artist and writer from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, B.C. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And um, honestly, like my most memorable one, do not laugh, was in a Chuck E. Cheese. Do not laugh. Nice. I love a Chuck E. Cheese. Um, I had just moved to Spokane and was going to Catholic school, mm-hmm. but I made friends pretty fast. And so I started first, you know, on the first. My birthday was on the 18th of September. And mm. that could have been a dicey situation for it like an 11 year old. But it turned out pretty great, actually. Nice. Yeah. I love that. So, uh, that's my most memorable one, I think. I've never Good been in you. a Chuck E. Cheese, and I don't know if I'll ever have the opportunity to go in one, you know? They're very nostalgic for me. It yeah. was They're magical fun. at the time. Like, I've been in places that are, like, similar to Chuck E. Cheese, but I've never been in, like, a brand name Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. I guarantee going as I a, hadn't either. Yeah. Going as a child is, like, euphoric. Yeah. And going as an adult would be, like, walking into a liminal space. Right, right, right. Who are you? <laughs> Who the hell are you? And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old television critic. You can find my words at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Because my birthday is six days before Halloween... I had a lot of costume party birthdays. Ugh, could uh, not be more jealous. It was super great. And I think my most memorable one was, I think I was turning 17 and I had an 80s themed birthday party at the basement of our church. And uh, I made everybody come dressed like they were from the 80s. That's awesome. <laughs> also, that's the most you thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um. So my family went off on birthday parties. And so I just wanted to say that ahead of time, that there were many a birthday party that I could talk about. Mm-hmm. But my favorite one, I can't tell you what age I was turning, but we had just moved into our new house. And mm-hmm. so with our new house, um, my parents paid for it to be built. It was like a, it was built for us, basically. Sure, sure. And uh, in like a new neighborhood in Red Deer. Of course. My parents paid for the upstairs to be done completely. And then just like um, the downstairs, um like the walls to be put up and everything. And then my dad was did the flooring. He did um, like the painting and everything. Mm-hmm. So like, and like he did the bathroom downstairs and everything. So my dad did all of our downstairs. And so we had just moved in. And so our upstairs was completely done, but our downstairs was like a garage type floor. Oh, yeah, like it's yeah, like yeah. that that cold, um, like concrete. Type oh yeah, that's, type how, that's how my basement still is. Yeah. yeah. And so my parents used tape, like colored tape to make a sorry board <gasps> on the floor. 
Yeah. And so everybody who came to the birthday party was a different, like, it was Disney story. Mm -hmm. And so each of the characters, like, everybody got a different character and you were on a different team. So, like, so, for example, if you look at Disney story, um, it's, like, the villains, the heroes, the princesses, and the, like, animals and stuff. And so everybody got a different... Screw the princes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, they count as the heroes, I <laughs> guess. But, so everybody got a different player and then we all played a giant game of story on the floor in our basement and then when we finished that and my dad put the floors down he didn't take the tape off so that game of sorry is still underneath <laughs> there awesome. and eventually in hundreds of years when all of us have rot <laughs> somebody is going to pull up that floorboard and be like what type of alien crap <laughs> is this i love that so that was that's one of my most memorable birthday parties also fully tell me you're canadian without telling me you're canadian the way robin pronounces sorry yeah <laughs> other honorable mentions include when we did like a clue murder mystery one disney thing so like all of the kids came to our house and then mom put and my mom can do the mickey mouse voice so she did an answering machine thing from mickey mouse That's and i so swear cute. like i you know, I was old enough to know that it wasn't Mickey Mouse because I know what my mom's voice sounds like also. But I also had invited like younger kids because like some of my sister's friends were there and everything. Uh -huh. And so we turn on We're like, oh, we have a missed call. Let's look at it. And it's like, hi, this is Mickey Mouse. And some of the other kids were like, oh, my God, <laughs> Mickey Mouse called you. Anyway. That's so cute. That's so, really cute. Anyway. Also, didn't know your mom could do that. I'm yeah. very impressed. She can also sing the alphabet backwards really fast. Like, faster than she can do forwards. The only thing I can do is say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious backwards. That's it. Docious aliexpialidocious. Mm. Mm. So true. But I can't do any of that alphabet crap. I can do the alphabet, but it takes me a lot longer than her. Like, probably faster than a lot of people, but longer than her. There's no mm. limit to, like, the crazy things she can just teach herself to do. Yeah. We stand. So, that's my, that's my anecdote. I loved it. So, anyway... Um, today we have words to say about episode 510 of Riverdale, the pincushion man. Didn't expect the, the words pincushion man to be in the episode to be right. Yeah, they kind of did the thing. Uh, yeah. So Balloon Land, uh, also known as the pincushion man, is a 1935 animated short film produced as part of the Comicolor cartoon series. The cartoon is about a place called Balloon Land where residents are made entirely out of balloons. The villain in the cartoon is the pincushion man, a character who walks around Balloon Land popping the inhabitants with pins. Terrifying. That's a little dark. It's like when you, you're like, haha, balloons. But then when you think about it, you're like, that's their lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the mid-season finale. <laughs> sure. And we're back together. Yay! Yay! Finally. You guys can probably tell because the quality is slightly less good, but <laughs> it makes it easier for us. So yeah. <laughs> the quality I don't really care. Good. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a couple of thoughts from listeners, but both of them go into the um, like discussion of this actual episode. Oh, um, okay. However, Dave did DM me. <gasps> Dave at seventeen oh one Trekkie um, for a couple things about last week. Bless you, PV. <laughs> Can you please keep that in? Yeah. <laughs> he said you guys mentioned that you were worried about Britta getting hit. Quarterbacks in American football aren't usually supposed to get hit, and I was like, yeah. I realized while I was editing it that I was like, Robin, stop talking about how you're like worried about her being safe. If she joined the football team, she's ready to get hit and she's strong enough to do so. Exactly. Yeah. But I think I was thinking from like my own brain that I was like, well, if I was the only girl on a football team, please don't hit me. I'm just a baby, you know? <laughs> so, so 
So yeah. And I think, yeah, everything else is about this episode. Okay. So, and then we also got an email about this episode that goes into the Jughead storyline. So let's just go in. Um, But first, we're going to do Tudor Boot. Uh, Brittany? Boot. Yeah. It's a boot from me. I was bored the whole time. I didn't have I was time. so bored. Mm. It was more of the same crap. And then just like a little bit of flavor, which was kind of nice, but it was mostly just like, hey, like nothing really of consequence happened, even though a lot happened. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, though, where I was like, it, it was presented in such a weird way where I was like, oh, I guess this is going on then. Like it dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged and then really, really weird stuff happened and then it was over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to give it a two. Interesting. I watched it by myself yesterday before I went to get you from the airport. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I laughed the whole time. <laughs> Not because it was good, but because it was dumb. Well, but I sure did have fun. Sam and I discovered a life hack that this show is best watched while exhausted. Mm. Yeah. Because then everything seems like surreal and stupid. And I think that's kind of just like how we should have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think that like... Upon first watch, I was like, yeah, this is a toot. It's not, like, great, but, like, sure, it's a toot. And then upon rewatch this morning when I was doing my notes, I was like, oh, no. Oh, it falls apart <laughs> yeah. real quick. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, yeah. We, uh, we probably should have watched it last night after we had gotten home from our 13-hour drive, but, um. We've been driving for We've been hours, driving for yeah. 13 hours. Yeah. I thought that I was going to enjoy the episode just from the beginning part because I noticed that it was multiple storylines and then um, short little scenes, which yeah, historically yeah. I've really enjoyed. Like, I think two or three episodes ago was like that episode that I like almost gave a shoot. I loved it so much. Yes. Um, and so I thought maybe I would like this because it was a similar format. And yet. And and yet. And, and yet. yet. So the storylines that we um, split this up into was Cheryl and Reggie as one, and then Veronica, Archie, Jughead, and Betty. I think that the Archie storyline is bigger than the Jughead storyline, but the Jughead storyline is more in tune with, like, the Betty storyline, so that's why I did that in that order, basically. Yeah, as I was doing the Archie notes, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, so we're going to start with Cheryl and Reggie, and I did the summary for that. Oh, okay. You can. Thank you. I will. Okay. Well, go ahead and do it then. Cheryl is enjoying her sweet relationship with Minerva and takes her to see what fresh syrup her maple groves have made. Turns out the buckets are empty. Nana Rose attributes it to the Blossom Curse. Elsewhere, Hiram's mad at Reggie for cheering for the bulldogs. He's been harvesting a rare gem or mineral or something in the prison, but there's lots more in the maple groves. Reggie can prove himself by buying the groves. He goes to woo Nana Rose about it and she totally sells it to him. Cheryl's pissed. Reggie and Hiram celebrate, but Cheryl shows up and says that she had Nana Rose confirmed legally senile and their contract has no legal binding. (laughs) Ta-ta! Hiram tells Reggie he still has to get it. Hiram blows up the side of his prison and lets the prisoners out, including Penelope. Reggie sets the maple groves on fire so that Cheryl will sell them. Cheryl dances with Minerva in Thornhill when Penelope shows up and warns them about the fire. Nana Rose kind of implies that they should kill Minerva as a sacrifice to the curse. Yeah. So, so Minerva leaves. Cheryl and Penelope pray to the gods for wind and it works. The groves are dust, but Thornhill's not burned down again. <laughs> Seems like everything's coming up Hiram. <laughs> That's it. So That'd be it. So Cheryl, I, I do have to say, my first note was that Cheryl and Minerva truly are serving looks. They really are. Oh my um, god, they're such an attractive couple. This like red and purple moment. It's yeah, very it's much very a vibe. good. It's very good. Yeah, like I think, you know, Tony was very pink. 
Mm-hmm. And so now, like, Minerva is, like, slightly different, but, yeah. like, pink and purple really go hand in hand for me, at least. Mm-hmm. So true. I uh, couldn't help but agree. So it's time to harvest the sap, but there isn't any. Um, Cheryl is up on her memes and says, I'm shooketh. <laughs> up on her memes from, like, three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Brittany, it is only, it's still only 2021, don't worry. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> you think, what, it's seven years in the future? No. Do you think Christine Sidelko ever thought that that would be her legacy? I don't know. Is being used as a line on Riverdale? Incredible. Honestly, an ace icon. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> the the ace, ace icon of Riverdale. Can you believe it? I thought it would be Jughead. It's not. It's Christine, Christine Sidelko. So, because the sap isn't there, Nana blames Cheryl for being happy. Because if she's happy, then bad things happen to the family. But if she's sad, then everything is normal. Nana Rose is a gaslighter and I hate her. Okay, so, yes, of course, all of these things. But, um, wasn't Cheryl also believing this, like, five seconds ago? Uh-huh. When did she change her mind? I don't think she has changed her mind. She's just, like, gone and done a happy thing, and now she's getting validation. I just, I was like, okay, so Cheryl is sane this episode. Who knows what'll happen next episode, but this episode, she's sane. Yeah. Sure, sure. So Nana Rose is like, we need to pray for deliverance, cue Reggie. So Hiram's mad that Reggie betrayed him, and Reggie's like, you're right. So now he's back to doing garbage stuff, so what was even the point of having him be good last episode? Like, I honestly was surprised that Reggie even had consequences. I just assumed mm-hmm. they'd skate right over it. Yeah. Well, because uh, my, like, complaint about that last episode was that, like, I wanted Reggie to maybe, like, be on Hiram's, like, pretend to be on Hiram's side, but actually, like, doing things for the good of, like, our heroes, you know what I mean? Or, like, there needed to be some sort of, like, big betrayal that, like, had has a, you know, satisfying ending. Yeah. I think he's coming around to that. Yeah, but I'm just like... Like, at first I thought that's mm-hmm. what he was going to do yeah. before he lit the woods on fire. But then he lit the woods but on then fire. then he lit the woods on fire. And that, like, Reggie and fire? Yeah. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, oh, the spirit of the town is rebuilding. Oh, no. And um, the, he's been harvesting palladium behind the prison. So palladium is used in electronics, dentistry, medicine, hydrogen purification, chemical applications, groundwater treatment, and jewelry. Palladium everything. Yeah. Palladium is a key component of fuel cells which react hydrogen with oxygen to produce electricity, heat, and water. Yeah. So it's really important. It's it's one of our most important things and why recycling programs exist for electronics is because we need to get in and get the palladium out of your technology. Mm -hmm. Huh. So there but there's more under the maple groves, so we need to buy the maple groves. Um, basically, now we finally know why Hiram's been trying to buy the Maple Groves literally all time jump. I mean, I am glad that it was something sort of what I find to be interesting because I thought it was going to be something boring and nefarious, but it yeah. turns out it's like just that interesting he and nefarious. All of the... It's interesting <laughs> and nefarious, exactly. Like I was worried he was going to like bulldoze the woods to build another like fancy prison mm-hmm. or like a mall or something. I was thinking mall too. I was like, you know what? Do the mall thing. I like that. <laughs> yeah, why not? A mall in a small town? Nothing could go wrong. Just like a jewelry shop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got it. I got it. That took me a minute, but I got it. So Reggie shows up to Thornhill with flowers, and Nana Rose says that Cheryl isn't here, and you're not her type. Because (laughs) she likes women. Yup. And Reggie's like, I'm actually here to woo you. And Nana Rose is like... Bet. Talk to me. <laughs> Nana Rose is like, so you don't look like a lesbian. <laughs> so Nana sold the groves without asking Cheryl. And she's like, why do, should we keep them? Because they're worthless. They're not giving us anything. And now the curse will be there. So it's not our problem anymore. I think, listen, I don't like Nana Rose. No. No. I do think she had good intentions here, but she's still insane. 
Also, like, I don't know if that's how a curse works. Yeah, if exactly. If the curse is on the land, then Cheryl's mood should have no effect on it. Right. Like, it's nice that you thought that you were helping. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, you just made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. So Cheryl rips up and burns the contract. And Hiram says, great job, Reggie. Thank you so much. You're back in. And we're going to start digging in two weeks. And it's going to be great. So let's just savor tonight's fireworks at the jail. Uh, Cheryl comes in and she's got this like little like ballerina shirt jacket thing. It's like, it's really interesting, but I kind of love it. Mm -hmm. I kind of love it too. Yeah. And she's like, hi, nice try, but your contract means nothing because Nana Rose is legally senile and I made that happen five years ago. So pay attention. What an oddly short little scene though. Yeah. She just walks in and says, um, you burnt and then walks out again. (laughs) Like that could have been a text. (laughs) Exactly. That could have been such a, that could have been a phone call. This could have been an email. Um, so Reggie tries to apologize to Hiram, and Hiram's like, no excuses, just fix it. And I know that Hiram's mean, but I also, like, kind of expected him to be like, oh, well, I mean, at least you thought you were doing it, Reggie. Like, it was a good plan. Good good try, but that's okay. And then I, and then I was like, it's Hiram. It's Hiram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it was me, I'd be like, thanks for trying. So um, Hiram stages a prison break, and Penelope Blossom is out. The only woman we see in the prison? Yike. Our... Prisons usually... Who hired the guests for this? Yeah. (laughs) There's usually separate prisons. Yeah, that's what I thought. And, like, I would believe it if we ever saw, like, like, you know, anybody and, like, any women. Because, like, we've got, like, War Baby and, like, all the other guys. And, like, the prisoners that we see at the high school later, they're all men, you know? So it's just, like, weird that it's, like, all men and then also Penelope, who I guess has her own special (laughs) No, that's actually so funny. It's just, like, this is a prison for men. And Penelope and Penelope Blossom. Blossom, who gets a nice bed, <laughs> a nice king size bed in a in a yeah. Because didn't she say she probably she does? Because Hi- she said Hiram would set her up good at yeah. the prison. Yeah, I was like, hang on, like she didn't she say she was gonna leave prison too, like early? I don't think so. She I did think say she, she was gonna be treated good, well. No, she did oh, say sure. with good behavior, she'd probably be out by the time Cheryl graduated. Right, and then she just wasn't. Yeah, um, she was not good. I guess not. <laughs> My thing is. That if she gets a nice bed and a nice, you know, if she's treated well, she's still got to wear that outfit, though. (laughs) Like, I really feel like if anything, Penelope would be like, orange in this I need something to do with, we need to do something about this. Like Effie? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So Reggie goes and sets the maple groves on fire. Uh, Buddy, this is not good guy behavior. Uh, Don't care for that. I don't think he thinks that it's good by guy behavior. Yeah. Um, and then he just leaves the gas can. He doesn't really care about being, like, implicated in arson. Nope. Because there's no consequences for him here. Well, his, uh, his abuser owns the jail. Yeah. Cheryl and Minerva are dancing. Sorry, my note says blarble dancing. Blarble. And Penelope shows up and calls her nightmare child again, which is my favorite. Yes. Like, it's a very, like, it's a, a pet name that is close to my heart. It's so good. When, when Penelope showed up, I was just like, oh... That was the highlight of the episode. Finally, an actual chaotician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's like, I've escaped and it's a good thing because there's a fire. And if I wasn't here, then maybe you just burn down. And Nana Rose is like, well, the curse demands that all living blossoms must die. Where are you getting this information? What does, what curse? Where is the curse? Is it written down? Who cursed you? Also, speaking of, I have theories about witchery. All right. We'll get to him in just okay. a second. She's like, or maybe we just sacrifice Minerva. And I'm like, you are huh? just, you're just making up stuff for your own agenda. And Minerva's like, mm, I'm going to go. Uh, it feels like I'm maybe getting murdered. So I'm going to go. And Cheryl calls her Min Min, <laughs> which is a lot of what it is. TT. Yeah. So they decide they're going to pray for wind and in front of this like strange shrine. 
And Cheryl's like, yeah, that makes sense. Hey. Uh, and it works. <laughs> you know what else would have worked? Uh-huh. The fire department that Archie runs. Archie's busy punching people at the school. I don't know. <laughs> Just call the school and be like, Archie, can you What's bring a Jackson fire What's Jackson up to, though? Jackson's free. No, they're literally like, Archie's busy. Yeah. Uh, witchcraft? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think they're witches because they are cursed, apparently, for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it seems real. Somehow. But also, their prayer to the altar affects the actual weather, Mm -hmm. and they get the wind that they need. Yeah. And this is still in the same universe as Chaos. Yeah. Well, they were like, Chaos was canceled. So... How do we continue all this witch research we've done as a writer's room? I would like to see Penelope uh, revealed as a witch. All right. Like, the whole Blossom family, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the, the women in the... Blossom family of just, like, passed down witchcraft. I got really bad news about what it looks like Penelope's up to in the trailer. Did you watch it? No. Oh, no. Why? She's in this, like, I don't know anything about religion, so I don't know exactly what it's called or who necessarily wears it, but that, like, long robe that has, like, the big long sleeves and everything and is, like, you know, like a priest or a pastor or something okay. like that wears, and it's red, of course. Uh-huh. And she, I think she's in a church. So she's, like, and Cheryl's, like, what has gotten into you? So Penelope just goes way hard into religion as far as I can tell. Oh, religion and witchcraft can overlap. Yeah, sure. I think, I think they often do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Reggie tells Hiram that because of the freak windstorm, <laughs> Thornhill didn't burn down. And I'm like, again, just to be clear, again. It's an interesting, I as, as crazy as this episode was, I found a lot of like interesting parallels. So for example, like Thornhill almost burning down when it like burnt down, I think at the end of season one, season, yeah, season, Two? no, season one, because Season two begins with sh- with Fred getting shot and Cheryl walking into the oh, right, hospital. Right, right. So end of season one. But I also have some stuff about the Betty storyline. The Betty storyline is ridiculous. The Every- Betty storyline is stupid. Everything else, I'm just like, okay, fine. Like, I see this happening. Betty storyline, did not see that coming at all. Had no, I, I just, I'm absolutely floored. <laughs> but I do have some deep thoughts because there has to be some. And so I had them. All right. Okay. But most of the groves did burn down and Cheryl will definitely want us to buy it now. And I'm like, no, she won't. I doubt she, it. Like, she's way too, like, don't you know her? She's way too um, stubborn. Yeah. Like, even if, even if it was losing her money, which it seems like it will be now, she won't care. She's also too smart for that. She will find a way to make a business out of the ashes of maple trees. Exactly. And then she will say, out of the ashes of the maple groves. Or something like that. Mm -hmm. She will say some stupid thing like that. Yeah. She'll raise the land and build them all. There you go. Like, as long as it's not you who's doing it right beside her house. Yep. Hiram says that Riverdale High won't reopen for weeks because of all the stuff that happened there. And I guess just today is a good day for Hiram's. I mean, I get. Isn't every day a good day for Hiram's? Not every day. (laughs) Last episode, the Stallions lost not the game, but just one point. And he was really mad about that. One singular point. Yeah. Uh, That's that. That's the storyline. Yep. All right. Veronica, another short one. Veronica was was real short as well. Uh, Veronica was short and yet annoyed me so much. At least she didn't sing a Lady Gaga song. So true. That's true. I guess. We have to be thankful for our our, tiny blessings. You have to give it a two just for that. Little acts of (laughs) non-homophobia. All right. Brittany, Brittany gives a toot to every episode that doesn't have a Lady Gaga song. Is, is the yeah. simple lack of homophobia really anti-homophobia? No. No, it's... It's really not. Yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> Just because, like, that that's like saying, well, I didn't vote for Trump, 
when you didn't vote at all. When you right. didn't vote. You're like, shut up! <laughs> okay. So Chad tells Ronnie that their helicopter accident bonded for life, so he absolutely won't be signing their divorce papers. Just sit and think about that sentence for a while, okay? This show is <laughs> An stupid. absolute psycho. So anyway, um, he has blackmailed pictures of Varchie kissing, and so he sends them to Ronnie, and he's like, we need to meet in person. I don't I'm know like, why this is a too. secret. I don't know why either. I feel like everyone knows. Yeah. Also, and like- also, she knew she was being followed. Yeah. I guess she did threaten him. I don't know. Anyway, what I literally wrote here is, I don't really care, to be honest. This whole storyline is dull as hell. So true. So Ronnie explains to Archie that a few years back in their marriage, even though they've only been married for a year, yep. he mentally wished yep. Chad dead, and then they immediately got into a helicopter accident. <laughs> oh my god. What? <laughs> this is so like, it really puts into perspective, you know what, you, you know what, you guys, what? we really cover such a wide array, like, we we are so versatile in, like, in this quality po- of programming, in this podcast network, because we also cover Lost, which yeah. is one of the greatest storytelling and acting, like, of all time. I would say so. And we then we come have, on to this podcast yeah. and we say things like, uh, She wished her husband dead. And then they immediately got, got into, into a, a helicopter, helicopter accident. accident. Yeah, yeah. To be clear, there is also a helicopter accident in Lost, but that's different. <laughs> Listen, Riverdale is a soap opera. Yeah, it's true, it's true. Okay, it is, though. I'm just saying, we uh, we all contain multitudes. So true. Continue your summary, Brittany. Think, I'm think, so sorry. Think, you know what? That's okay. Anyway, so Chad dead, helicopter, whatever. And so she says she has to end it in person in New York. Okay. And it's like, actually, it's because, like, you were cheating on him with Archie, but that's fine. Anyway, so they have Chinese food by candlelight, and she says, I haven't had good Chinese food in a while, and I'm like, it's because you live in Riverdale. <laughs> um, You guys know how, like, it, sorry, I keep uh, interrupting you your thing. Oh, first of all, I realized that I think Archie has a cheating thing. Because yeah. his last Every two relationships. relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And then also, uh, you guys know how on Gilmore Girls, um, like, Al's Pancake World always just has a various array of, like, different worldly uh, food. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and everything. Pops also, <laughs> also, also does, yeah. but in a different so way. So true. Yeah. yeah. So true, bestie. So they drink and dance to their wedding song, and I'm like, this is a trap. Ronnie asks if he purposefully crashed the helicopter so that they could be together in debt? <laughs> I do think- what? I think he did. I wouldn't put it past him. But, like, where did that come from? She, uh, that article that we were talking about a couple of times ago. Just, all right. Anyway, so he's like, no, and also I'm a super good dude, and I signed the papers before we even got here. I just wanted one last night, and she's like, that's so hot, and then they kiss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, she's like, watch me cheat on my husband with Archie, and then watch me cheat on Archie Archie with my my husband. husband. Exactly. Veronica said, said, try and stop me. Exactly. Gross. She said, she literally, Archie was like, oh, you're gonna stay the night in New York? Like, you're not actually gonna do anything, right? And she's like, no. Of course not. (laughs) Unless. She's an equal opportunity philanderer. Mm Ugh. Ew. Okay. Um, I, no, I literally wrote here, ew. Yeah. The next morning, Veronica... <laughs> I hate this. The next morning, Veronica actually discovers that he didn't sign the papers and he's a big fat liar, which is somehow a f***ing surprise to her. Saw that coming. Anyway, he didn't do it because they're broke and he opened a company in her jewelry shop's name, even though 
He must have done that, like, two days ago because that jewelry shop is like, barely open. Yeah, like, we just saw the name today, and he's like, I opened it under the name of your jewelry shop. And I'm like, when did you know what it was? Which <laughs> is so stupid. Anyway, he did it to, in order to basically run a Ponzi scheme, which, like, I have thoughts on. They can't divorce because then they could be forced to testify against each other in court, and boy, wouldn't it look stupid if she doesn't know what's going on in her name. I don't know. She married her father. Yeah. Yep. So Ronnie calls Archie and says she'll be staying in New York for a few days for business. And Ar- Archie's mad. And Archie's like, hey, you're staying with your husband? I guess I understand. And I'm like, bro. They're married? Bro. Yeah. Anyway, that was Ronnie's stupid ass storyline. Thank yeah. you. So Veronica calls Ch- Chad about the divorce papers and says, since you finally picked up, which means that he was like ghosting her about it and was like, if I don't talk to you, then that means I'm still married to you. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he says that they're bound for life and she's like, shut up and sign them and then like hangs up on him. Um, Her new jewelry store is called La Petite Bijoutier, uh, which means the little jeweler. Cute. Why it it always gotta be French with Veronica? She thinks it's fancy. Also, there's already a thing called the bijou in in this town. Oh yeah! Why we gotta have more bijoux? Well, the bijoux's probably gone. No, she just talked about it about with her river dollars. She said you can spend it at Pops or the Bijoux. Those are the only two establishments you can <laughs> you can do it. They at. really do need them all. Yeah. So she gets an envelope from Chad, and it's not the papers. It's photos of her and Archie kissing at the football game. And I once again, I'm not really sure why this is a secret. Um, and I also think it's funny that Chad talked to her on the phone, like, knowing that she was about to get this envelope. He's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I won't be doing that. Uh, and also, check your mail, bitch. So Veronica talks to Archie at her house, I think. It looks like the renovations have gone, uh, like, like, are finished, potentially, because it looks like a very different place. And she says that she feels like the helicopter crash was her fault. And like Brittany said, she says, a few years ago. And then she also says, put me out of my misery of a marriage. You just celebrated your first anniversary. Like, come on, Riverdale. It's it's 2021, but it's also seven years in the future, but which is still 2021. Mm-hmm. And they just celebrated their first anniversary, even though they've only been dating within this same year of 2021. But they've been together for multiple years in a miserable marriage, yeah. all in 2021. Guys, I, if we ever make the mistake of taking this show seriously yeah. again, <laughs> let's remember this. Yeah. I'm like, girl, if, if it was a few years ago... You're not stuck in anything. You can leave, you know? I, I'm just, I'm disappointed by this timeline screw up because like at least when it was like, oh, it's 2021, it was just because like the years, like the number of the years was the thing that was getting all frickle frackled up. Mm-hmm. Um, But mm, they don't usually mess up this hard in terms of like, you know, like it's not like they're like Juniper and Dagwood, they're five, you know? Cause that doesn't make sense. It's been seven years. And then they were born in a different place. Like, at least they say they were nine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The thing is, and I don't mean this as shade, but I think it's true. I think this writer's room has just given up. Yeah, a little bit. Like, maybe it's a little bit shade, but I think they're just like, okay, so another day of writing this freaking show. I genuinely sometimes feel... Like, they don't all watch each other's episodes. Yeah. or And, like, don't know what exactly made it on screen and what they just, like, chatted about in the writer's room. Yeah. Was. Yeah. So, she says that they fought and she wished him dead before they took the ride. And this is the first time that we're learning that Chad was, like, behind the wheel, so to speak. Which helps with the theory that Chad did it, did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I thought that, like, when I had heard it the first time in 504, I had thought that um, he had, like, paid off the person who was who was driving or whatever. But now we're learning that he was the actual person who was driving. That gives it even more legs to stand on. Especially later when she asks him about it. 
and he's totally shady about it. Yeah. Like, why a helicopter accident and not a car accident? Because they were taking. Because Fancy. that's the that's the transportation that they were using at the time, I guess. No, but like this is the thing that like I don't get is like, did they really only do this because of Kobe Bryant? I don't know. Like this, I can't stop thinking about that. Like, did these writers just think, oh, that sounds like a neat way for someone to die, and just like chose that? I just think that's so stupid. Yeah. I really hope it's not that because that would be extremely disrespectful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I definitely think that Chad did it on purpose in some in some way or another because here's the thing he's like what why would I do that uh we would we almost died (laughs) and I'm like uh but you didn't I'm like I wish you would yeah (laughs) but you didn't so you did something to make sure that you didn't die and you're just using it because that because I think previously in an episode we were talking about how she said that like he uses the accident as a way to control her Chad's like my wife's gonna leave me crash (laughs) yeah now she can't. So she says that she woke up in the hospital after that and they both almost died. And so she feels indebted to him and she stayed with him out of guilt. I'm like, yeah, that's a healthy relationship. Great. I just, so much of this story fell apart so fast. Yeah. Veronica says she's staying the night and Archie's like, oh no. <laughs> and Veronica's like, don't worry, I'm staying with Katie Keene. And uh, no. Like, and then she doesn't. Was, was you think Katie she has ex- messages from Katie yeah, being like, girl, where are you? Her? Are you okay? Did you die? Was she like expecting her to, to show up and she just didn't or what? That's my question. However, it is really nice that they just used her first name and they just said Katie because every time they always say her full name. Yeah. And it's kind of annoying. Yeah, um, it's like, oh, we're just gonna stay with Katie. No, I will stay with Katie Keen. I'm staying with Katie yeah. Keen. So she arrives in New York at their place, and she says that she made reservations at Fuku Momo, which is a joke on Momo Fuku. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I didn't pick up on that, damn it! Mm-hmm. I love those little things. But... Fuku Momo sounds way better to me, personally. <laughs> that, that makes way more sense in my brain for some reason. Wait, have I been to Momo Fuku? I do not know. Uh, we definitely walked past it when Jillian was showing us around New York in a single day. Gotcha. It's across from Milk Bar. Don't they own Milk Bar? Uh, no. Mo- well, technically, yes. Christina Tosi worked at Momo Fuku. Oh, okay. And then, she, like, she was making... I watched her whole episode of Chef's Table. <laughs> and I'm not going to explain it all right now, but basically, they're, like, sister shops. Nice. Yeah, we ended up going to Milk Bar because we couldn't get in at Momo Fuku. So he got Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> is, <laughs> is So they're going to eat their Chinese food by candlelight, just like hmm, the good old times. And Veronica's like, oh, well, this is really nice, but you're blackmailing me, so... Um, and he's like, well, they weren't all bad. They were all so good. Let's talk about the good times. Ha ha ha. Where? I don't know. So they show a picture of their first date, which was in London. And she was like, you thought a tour of the London dungeons would be a good first date? And I'm like, well, I would think that was cool personally. Um, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I think it's so weird when people uh, from the same town start dating in a place that they're not, like, normally at. Yeah. Like, how would you end up in another city it's, and start dating this person? It's destiny. From you here? Fi- yeah, you meet somebody in a foreign land, and you fall in love, and you say, where are you from? And they say, same place as you. <laughs> That's how my aunt and uncle met. They were in, <laughs> they were in Spokane, but they were both from Edmonton. Wow. What a... What a what a set of places to be. Uh, yeah, you just go from redneck <laughs> to redneck. It kind of feels like that's how we met, Brittany. It kind of is. Oh my god, it literally is. Uh, <laughs> except the, except the, diff- the, the place was just the internet. Yep. <laughs> I was like, where were you at? Yeah. So their wedding song starts playing and it's Sleepwalk by Betsy Bry. Um, and they dance. Uh, it's the, It was the first time they danced as husband and wife. And now it is the last time. And I'm like, Chad, you liar. <laughs> He's going to be like, can we dance again? <laughs> it was a... 
You want to dance, babe? No. Uh, I do have to say, for Chad, this is a great look. I really like this, like, New York journalist suspenders mm-hmm. type aesthetic. It's not bad. It's really cool. And she's like, hey, did you crash it on purpose? And he's like, oh, my God, no. We could have died. Why would I do that? I would never. And she's like, Unless. well, then, because we would be together forever. And I'm like, okay, Veronica, you put in a lot of thought. Uh, did you crash it on yeah, purpose? Yeah, was it your fault? Um, and he's like, well, I just want you to be happy. I signed the papers before you came. Lie. And she's like, well, now I'm happy because we're not gonna be married anymore. So then they start making out. Right? Like, her first instinct when she's like, oh my god, we're not gonna be married anymore is, let's bang. She's like, oh my god, now I'm, now that you're not my husband. You're attracted to me You're attracted to me. You're attractive to me. This is weird. Is anyone else talking about this? This this is weird. I don't, I don't like it. So then it's the next morning. She obviously didn't stay with Katie. And it turns out he lied. No one saw this coming. He didn't sign the papers. And he explains that he got involved in a bad investment scheme over the last year. And I'm like, so right, right after you got married? your marriage? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, when you just were just married because you just got married last year. Yep. And he's like, this is going to be an easy way to get us out of debt. And Veronica's like, I didn't know we were in debt. debt. (laughs) Um, He says that he made the investments in the name of her new jewelry store. And if they get divorced, that's like really bad for them legally because they can testify against each other. And she's the she-wolf of Wall Street, and everyone would assume that she knew about it. And, like, I, he's clearly threatening her Yep. by being like, if you divorce me, I'm going to testify against you, and they're going to believe me because I'm a man, basically. Yep. And so he's like, I'm going to fix it. I just need time. Whatever. Uh, and then so Veronica calls Archie, says she has to stay because she has a business things to sort out. And Archie's really pissed, and I can't really blame him. But I'm also just like, she's a grown woman. She can make her own choices. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish she wasn't making all the wrong choices. 100%. Like, she should not have started anything with Archie mm-hmm. until no. she was sure she was done with Chad. Yeah. Until she had gotten herself out of that relationship. Like, I think she was sure, like, emotionally that she was done, but, like, ugh, it's still messy. So that's the Veronica storyline. Um, Honestly, nothing happens here. Yeah. She's trapped in her marriage. Like, you, I literally could have summed it up as... Veronica wants to get divorced, but then she can't to the end. Yeah. I would say that, like, if we're trying to figure out if thing, like, what things happen in each storyline, I would say things happen in the Cheryl and Reggie storyline because, well, she doesn't sell the Maple Grove. So the same person who owned the Maple Grove still owns the Maple exactly. Grove. So therefore, um, nothing happens. But the Maple Grove's burnt down. And also like, Penelope what? is out. So, and the, but that's it. Yeah. And then the, with the Veronica storyline nothing is nothing different happens. other than like us getting a couple bits of new information but that did not need to take this entire storyline you know what i mean no. and also like as much as like action as there was in the archie storyline i was just archie discovering that maybe his general was crooked and that's it yeah right cool let's just do let's just do the archie storyline sure okay so it's parent teacher night at riverdale high which i fully don't remember doing in high school that's because you were there it was your parents and your teachers no i just like i don't remember that being a thing in high school i thought that was like only junior high oh sure and then even like when i was in elementary school a parent teacher interview was something that you were also a part of yeah Yeah. and then they got to tell your parents if you were a piece of crap or not the day of my parent teacher interview for uh grade seven math i got caught reading holes in math class good and my teacher was a bro and didn't rat me out nice he just looked at me during the thing and he was like mm? and i was like i won't do it again and he was like uh-huh. great book to get caught reading though well i i feel like it really showed my priorities in math which is that math i is would not rather be in english yeah mm-hmm. okay so anyway so um it's parent teacher night 
Open house. We had open house. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, I love yeah. a good open house. Yeah. Okay, so Weatherby asked Archie to join Kevin in giving tours because basically this scene serves to explain that Tony is too pregnant, thus Vanessa is too pregnant to be on. Yes. Why do these parents need tours? Wouldn't they have also gone to Riverdale High? This um, is why they should have given it a... Who moves to Riverdale? <laughs> they should have called it a... Open house. They should have called it an open house. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I don't understand why these parents need tours. Okay. Oh, it's because of what I wrote in the second half of the sentence, which oh. was that they just needed to burn down Riverdale High. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically this scene just sets up the later scenes, which of course is the purpose of a scene, mm-hmm. but they just make it so obvious. It's really... Like, is. it's very clunky. So Archie's former general hits him up and he's like, yo, you're a hero. And Archie's like, dude, all my men died? Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, but Except you for saved- the one that matters. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you saved Eric. And I was like, that's gay. Yeah. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. He's like... I wrote this down later. <laughs> Sorry, I keep, I, I'm always just like interrupting your summaries with my notes that I'm going to talk about later. I feel like I always interrupt you with things that aren't relevant and I think are funny, but usually aren't funny. So this is fair. Oh, okay. Um, I, I wrote down later that like, he's like, well, you saved Corporal Jackson. And Archie's like, yeah, because I'm in love with him. Yeah, <laughs> I had to. So the general says, um, you have to take the award because I command it. I don't think that's how that works. Yeah, definitely not. No. Well, that, that also reminds me of like when, um, when Archie was like, hey, Jackson, don't go kill Hiram. That's an order. And Jackson's like, we're not in the military right now. Yeah. And so like, I just feel like he shouldn't be able to order him around. Okay, but like, why is literally Archie that thing from Arrested Development? He's like, it's just... Standing there holding stuffed animals, being like, these are my awards, mother, from ARMY. <laughs> like, <laughs> Also, I did some research on the Silver Eagle. Why? Because that's the type of metal it is. Is it real? Not that I can tell. I was like, that's got to be a Purple Heart. Yeah. Okay, so Archie is then um, at ROTC, and he tells his cadets that, um, here's a situation for you. What would you do if you disagreed with an order? And the general's like, um, I'm here, by the way. And that um, you should do what you're told no matter what. And I'm like, that's how war crimes get committed. Mm-hmm. Archie proves himself to not have rocks for brains and says that anyone is capable of making the wrong call. So true, bestie. Archie's like, I have learned from seasons one to three. And I know <laughs> that sometimes even I make mistakes. Everybody which is the entirety <laughs> of seasons one to three. <laughs> I am crushed to discover that the New York Times doesn't have a charming alternate. And it's just the New York Times and the Riverdale universe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> However, did you catch the name of the of the um the journalist? No. Sarah. Sarah. Bellum. Bellum. Sarah Bellum. Oh my god. She's like, I'm smart because I work at the New York Times. That's why my name is Brain. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know I'm smart and I work at the New York Times. Why is that literally every New York Times op-ed columnist. <laughs> Um, Archie's gonna get a call and he's gonna be like, hello, my name is Benjamin Dover from the Pilates committee. Hello, is Mr. D's there? <laughs> D's nuts? Wouldn't that mean his name is Nuts D's? No, there was a tweet the other day. Oh. <laughs> Someone absolutely failed at oh. <laughs> Mr. D's and they're like, that would imply that it's D's. Oh my <laughs> I really feel like even though like the, the, the even though the quality of our audio goes down when we're together, the quality of the bants goes up. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I don't know where. Okay. Brittany's right. still in the middle of her summer. <laughs> and we brought up these nuts before she, <laughs> before she finished her summary. 
Sorry, nuts these. <laughs> Mr. D's. <laughs> okay, shut up. Okay. <clears throat> so anyway, this reporter calls Archie and is like, I think General Taylor's a war criminal. And I was like, called it. <laughs> And Archie's like, I don't have a father figure to go to, and I forgot about Tom Keller, so I'm just gonna visit <laughs> Uncle Frank in jail. <laughs> <laughs> I know he wasn't. In this, he literally wasn't in this episode. The moment when we need him, Kevin's like, I got a text from my dad. <laughs> Martin Gubbins is like, I'm busy. <laughs> like yes my dad served and we just don't talk to keller about that <laughs> no okay is that oh i wonder if that's where he met his mom because isn't she like always yeah. off at army yeah these are my awards mother from army so anyway so archie goes to uncle frank in jail and they both agree that it sounds like i forgot the general's name was taylor, taylor so i was like who the f- is taylor <laughs> it sounds like taylor's trying to get archie's failed mission some good pr so that the reporter's expose will look tacky yes i was the word expose also as a sidebar there's a riot brewing at the prison but i'm sure that's absolutely nothing red herring for sure archie and kevin and inexplicably general taylor two yeah. of the parents around the school that's another thing that i wrote down i was like why are you I'm here like, why are you still here you're not a parent anyway the lights go out and basically the next 10 minutes are just like fight scenes in the dark because yeah. riverdale doesn't have a hot lighting budget i was like for, for the love of god light a candle like it's and Kevin are held hostage, but the, then the, the then candle budget the candle budget is used exclusively in Jughead's storyline. Yeah, so true. It's like literally actors twenty thousand, crew twenty thousand, candles a million. Someone please help me. My family is starving. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So they're in the middle of this big fight, and there's like hot stuff, and it's just like honestly, none of this is important. The thing that's important is that Archie kicked a lot of butt, and I'm very proud of him. Good for him. He um, really did, like single handedly. Yeah. Yeah. He literally took out all of them by himself. Yep. Yeah, no thanks to General Taylor at all. General yeah. Taylor, like, stands there like a useless fart. <laughs> and Kevin's There's like, a useful one? Yeah, it gets gas out of your stomach. That's useful. Oh, okay. That's I true. thought it was, like, just to scare people. <laughs> no, like, I, get out of my way. I feel like the most useful parts are the ones that you can ignite with fire. What's the use? Cool? Just in yeah, extremely cool? enter- entertainment. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um. Okay, so... Frank Fire shows up. In the middle We're of the still woods. on the same side. I know, I can't. Okay, so Frank shows up and says that the prisoners <laughs> have been paid to trash the school in town, and Archie's like, this could only be one person. It must be Hiram. And I'm like, yeah, but like innocent until proven guilty, but of course it's Hiram. <laughs> Archie's like, there's only one other main character this could be. I only know one villain. So anyway, the general's like, um, we must do something. And um, Archie's like, I'll do this. And the general's like, no. And Archie's like, well, I'll do respect, but I grew up here. And um, I know this hiding place behind the boiler that no one has ever talked about before. Yep. So we should all go out this way. <laughs> and I'm Jack- like, what were you doing behind the boiler? Where does the tunnel go to? <laughs> Didn't Jack- Your story's got a lot of holes. <laughs> Yeah, Jack had slept under the stairs, though. Yeah. Where where Principal out. Featherhead was found. Yeah. Oh, right? Ew! Um, I'm sure we've talked about that before. Okay, so anyway, every, like, the point of this is that everyone gets attacked, but then everyone's fine, so, like, why did you spend so much time on these fights? The fight scenes were, like... They were in the dark. Gratuitously long and in the dark. I agree, and I also think that they were slow. Like, it was yeah. very clear that it was... 
stage fighting to yes. me. Yes. Um, like, very, very clear because, like, it, it almost seemed like as someone who has taken stage fighting classes, not not like big ones, just like the ones that were required for my schooling. Uh-huh. Um, but like that's what you do is like practice time. You just do the exact thing you're gonna do, but you do it slow. And it almost felt like they were at like three quarters speed, and so, it was really weird. So as an example of that, Betty slapping Glenn, but I guess they forgot to speed it up because that was the worst fake slap <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. It was dramatic though. It I like that he was like, Whoa! I almost made my favorite line award the sound of the slap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so bad. Anyway, okay, so, oh, sh- shut up. Archie stands up to General Taylor, and he says he won't accept the award, and that disobeying the general could have saved lives. And the general says he can be a hero or a scapegoat, and Archie's like, guess I have hooks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the real army isn't filled with dudes like General Taylor, right? Mm. <laughs> anyway, so Mary's gonna work on getting Frank parole for helping Archie during the riot, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure he'd get parole for staying put in prison, but whatever. Um, and then uh, my last line was, "Show me Mary, you coward." Yeah, so I, true. Um, so Weatherby tells Kevin and Archie that parent-teacher night is important. Um, even though we didn't even talk to any parents. Um, why, how dare you? Why would, Some of them had their guns head to their head. Yeah. That's important. But why, okay, so why was it important for it to be t- parent-teacher night rather than just, like, a school club after school or something, you know? I don't if know. If you just need hostages. Right. You know? They're like, oh, we need to get all the parents to pull their kids out of school. Yeah, I guess maybe. Mm. So we have to show them that we can educate and protect their kids by can't do quite night. literally protecting them. them from breaking from a prison break mm-hmm. uh, riot yeah. thing. Archie's going to help Kevin with tours because Co- Tony is on maternity leave. Um, General Taylor comes to visit and he wants to give Archie an award for his last mission, which is the Silver Eagle Medal. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I googled Silver Eagle Medal. So there is a Silver Eagle coin, but the Silver Eagle Medal, as far as I can tell from just a simple Google search, is a real medal, but it is for the Boy Scouts. Oh my god. I, I think it's the equivalent of a Purple Heart. Great. Archie's like, okay, but I had a really bad time. Like, I lost ten people. And he's like, yeah, but you saved Jackson. And Archie, like I said, is just like, yeah, because I love him. I couldn't leave him behind physically. It's like, I'm interested in him <laughs> yeah. in a sexual way. Um, so he's like, I don't really want to accept an honor for that mission because I saw it as a such a colossal failure. Um, and he's like, okay, well, I'm ordering you to accept it. The general's like, listen, I literally hustled you out of the military over that whole mission, but take an award for it, okay? Anyway, how's recruitment going? (laughs) Oh, God. So predatory. So predatory, eh? So Archie, Jackson, and Taylor are at the RROTC class, and Archie's like, do you follow an order even if you object morally? And Taylor's like, yes, from the back. And Archie's like, I wasn't asking you. Clearly. <laughs> so Cerebellum from the New York Times, because they love pun names, is calling about his last tour, and she thinks that Taylor sent him on a dirty mission and says, can we meet? And Archie clearly believes it, but we don't see him meeting up with her, so I'm not sure if he's just like, hmm, interesting, and then just like takes that information along with him for the rest of the storyline, or if he really did meet up with her. I don't think he has met up with her yet. I think he said, I need some time. Okay. So he goes to see Uncle Frank in Hiram's prison. <laughs> I realized that we talked about this whole storyline already during the summary. We go to see Uncle Frank in Hiram's prison. Now that H- Uncle Frank has been, I don't know, reformed a little bit in prison, I do like him better than I did yeah. last season. Um, So I'll take it. So he thinks that General Taylor is trying to get ahead of the investigation. And so this shady mission, he wants to be turned into like a heroic event. I think he's right. I think so too. And he says Taylor wouldn't be the first general trying to buy a soldier's loyalty with a medal. And there's kind of this like knowing look between them to the two that of them. It, and like, I'm happened like, to him. yeah, it makes me think yeah. that, that happened to him. So he's like, do you want to help sell this or do you want to stand up against it? 
and Uncle Frank knows what Archie's gonna choose, and Archie knows what's Ar- what Archie's gonna choose, and we all know what Archie's gonna choose because yeah. he's mm-hmm. Archie. Um, so he's like, anyway, what's up? <laughs> and Uncle Frank's like, mm, things are weird here. Like, it kind of feels like everyone's leading up to something, but I don't know anything about it. How was that? He's like, I'm really out of the loop. I don't know. Does it sound like suspicious to you? Does this Frank smell like chloroform to you? And he's like, okay, just keep your head down, Uncle Frank. Uh, don't don't get yourself hurt. And Uncle Frank's like, you got it, bud. So Kevin and Archie are showing the parents around, and Kevin says that he. He directs the Glee Club, and I have Mr. Schuster flashbacks. No, oh my God, God no, because um, that Thank wasn't you, <laughs> that wasn't on the list of things that Kevin did. So the power goes out, and then we get these like red lights out of the windows. I'm not really sure where ultimately those are coming oh, from. Oh, the prisoners brought mood lighting. Oh, sure. Yeah, they were sense. like, oh, a riot, guys. We have to show up in our bed. So Archie goes to fix the power, and Kevin's like, Haha, this is fine, you guys. Archie knows what he's doing. He was in the the military, and I'm like, that doesn't make him an electrician. (laughs) If only Betty were here. Um, (laughs) She would have been more useful. Well, he, like, goes to the garage, doesn't he? Like, that's where he is. That's where he gets a crowbar, Mm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Also, she wouldn't have been more... Actually, she would have been useful because she could kick ass because she's an FBI agent. That's true. Yeah, my next note, why General Taylor here? Like, you're not a parent, and at this point, it just feels like you're supervising him and everything he does, which I don't like. General Taylor's like, you can go to the prison and see your uncle, though. General Taylor's like, but if you pee without me... Yeah, I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> you got like a chair I could sit in the corner of your room in while you sleep, or yeah, like, like what, what's the napping situation? You doing that? You still banging that blonde? <laughs> I heard about that. The, you're back with the brunette. Oh um, no! Oh, come on. So Archie goes to the garage and finds that like the power has been like manually taken care of. He gets attacked by the prisoners and he gets hurt, but he hurts them back a lot. It's kind of just like a big back and forth, and he learns that there's like a whole bunch of them. Uh, and then one goes to the Glee Club room and, like, tries to, like, loot Kevin and the parents. I mean, if there was anyone, you were going to bully. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> wow, Brittany, don't you know that he's ashamed of being gay? Don't. <laughs> I met the Glee Club kids! <laughs> They're parents. <laughs> They're like, where do we ruin first? Glee Club. <laughs> Not Kevin! <laughs> I know that Kevin has a lot of muscles now, but I also feel like I could probably take him just by, like, sheer force of my words. I think I could. <laughs> I, like, not- Robin not really walking down the street. I could take Casey like, Scott. Robin's also like- I, I can't also take, take six. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. A clarification. I cannot take Casey Scott. <laughs> I can take Kevin Keller. Remember that one time you saw Casey Scott? Based on his size, do you think you could take him? No, I walked right beside him. <laughs> to he did not know that I recognized him. It's take nice him. to leave celebrities alone. Yeah. Especially but when he you was, think you can pick them up. Yeah, because he was very sweaty. He had just come from a run. Also, I just realized that his name is alliterative and so is Kevin's. And they both have the same consonant sound, but different consonants. Interesting. Wow, you're a huge nerd. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. How bizarre. I How think, bizarre. I don't think I could take Casey Cott. But I could take Kevin Keller, not yes. physically, uh-huh. but like insult wise. Like you I could say something that would humiliate. You could be homophobic to him, and it would just take him there's, down. There's there's yeah. this like thing in D and D where like if you're a bard, I think you have a this barb. power in which you can like I can't remember exactly what it what the power is called or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like if you roll high enough, you can like kill people just by making fun of them. Wow. And I feel like that's what I do. I feel like that's what I do on Twitter every single day. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really have a whole lot to say about Archie's 
fight, but I do have to say, like, getting a crowbar to the leg, I felt that in my leg. Oh, no. I felt that one in my leg, and when he started limping, I was like, ow. I mean, like, just once again, congrats to KJ on your whole yeah, thing, thing, I guess. <laughs> so they hear a commotion outside, and the main guy tells Tim to go out and see. Go look, Tim. Who the f- is Tim? Tim with his machete, and Archie just gets him straight up immediately, um, and then the other dude is distracted, so Kevin tries to attack him, um, and then just fails, and he almost shoots Kevin, but then Archie comes by and threatens with the machete, and so the guy drops the gun. He did set the gun up, though. Like, he did, like, flick the little thing at the back, so mm-hmm. I was like, I genuinely, yeah, I genuinely thought that when he dropped it that it was gonna go off. Oh, uh, yeah. No, he cocked it. <gasps> he cocked it. <laughs> So Kevin gets a text from Tom Keller that says that there's a breakout at the prison. Um, and Archie wants to get everybody out. But Taylor says, we have 11 civilians in here, so we need to stay put. Why are you even here? Also, like, also, you want to stay put in the middle of this battle zone where someone's going to find you and kneecap you? Everyone knows yeah, people so. are here. Also, like, what if they set the school on fire? Mm-hmm. Like, especially after they learn, like, when Uncle Frank says, Hiram asked people specifically to come here, then it's like, they're just gonna keep coming. Like, yeah. it doesn't end here. So Archie's like, okay, so I guess we'll just barricade, I guess? And he just gives Kevin the machete, and he's like, ha, 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 okay. And Kevin's just, like, holding a machete. It's like, Kevin, what are you working out for if not to hold machetes? Like, Kevin, like, tries to get that gun and, like, can't get it. I'm like, I could definitely take Kevin. Um... <laughs> I also think I could sock Jughead. Yeah. Any anyone could take Jughead. Yeah. I will say, um, Cole has been looking like beefier lately, mm-hmm. but I still think that like one kick to the knees and he's down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like it's kind of like you look at like most himbos, so like I really like I don't think I could take Kronk physically, but I really think I could like get to him, you know? Oh yeah, intellectually you could destroy Kronk yeah. like, immediately. I wouldn't want to. I love him so much, but... I feel like I could take all of the mains except Tony. I couldn't take Betty. I could take Betty. I, I don't think I could take Betty. I don't think I could take Veronica either. I don't think I could take any of the oh, women, Oh, I could get honest. Veronica real quick. Cheryl would eviscerate me. Oh, yeah, no, Cheryl. Um. Oh, dear. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. No. What do you think, Sam? Could you take Cheryl? I could take everybody but Tony. Wow. Yeah. What makes you think that you couldn't take Tony? Because she's pregnant? Tony's no. just sort of she, unflappable. She mm. gives off really strong energy, so nothing I could say would affect her at all. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's just works out more than me. Oh, and I this, work out every day. This yeah. podcast has devolved into which of the Riverdale <laughs> characters could, could you physically fight? <laughs> <laughs> you They're doing what? a fight. It's relevant. I know that he would drop me, but I would try it with Hiram. <laughs> <laughs> You know who I could get? You know who I could get? Juniper and Dagwood. Oh, you know who? Santa Rosa just chuck her down the stairs again. You can't, hey, you can't get past death twice. Well, maybe she could. I don't know. She is dead. <laughs> She's like Prince Philip. You know who I could absolutely body? Penelope Blossom. <laughs> you know who I would never want to take? Yeah. I think I could, but I wouldn't want to. Yeah. I don't know. You saw those muscles. I know, but he got slapped by Midge's mom, and then he, like, devolved. Oh, yeah. He was so sad. (laughs) Robin's like, I can hurt his feelings. (laughs) I can hurt people's feelings. Yeah, I think for a lot of them, I'm just like, I would just be there to be mean. Yeah. Um... But and that's about it. That's ma- that's mainly what I mean, is that, like, I could I could just, like, hurt their feelings enough for them to, like, cower away. <laughs> Cheryl would call me fat, and I'd be like, and then what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what? I don't think Cheryl would call you fat. Thank you. Why? 
why? Because she doesn't do that. She's more sophisticated than that. Mm -hmm. It's true. Like, remember that one time when Miss Appleyard called Cheryl fat? Oh, right, and then she went absolutely apocalyptic. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so they chain up the door because Taylor said to barricade it, I guess, and Archie tells Taylor to put away his guns. Uncle Frank shows up. Why did he bring a gun to a high school? He just has a gun all the time, I guess. Uncle Frank shows up. They let him in. And he knew that Archie was going to be there because he talked to him about parent-teacher night when they were chatting. Oh, how nice. Uncle Frank says that he heard that the other prisoners were being paid to trash the town, especially the school, and more of them are, like, already here. Taylor only has six bullets, and so Archie's like, we have to run. And he's like, you want to lead civilians into hostile territory? And I'm like, like, this is is hostile territory. We're in hostile territory. So he's like, I know this school and this town, and I know how to get this done, because there's a tunnel behind the boiler. News to me. Why were you back there? (laughs) I didn't know that. You know, now with all the information that I have about all of the things Frank knew leading up to this moment... I really do think Mary has a good case. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it would have been irresponsible for him to sit in the jail knowing that Archie was going to get attacked yeah. and not doing anything. Right, that's How true. How dare that's you true. question the mechanics of my joke? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I had structure. <laughs> so Archie's like, we are doing this, and Kevin and the parents are literally already there, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. I, if I was one of the parents, I'd be like, I don't want to be here. Uh, yeah, I'd like, be like to I go. Like, let's go. Shut up, whoever you are. And General Taylor, if the uh, be like, shooting starts, you're my human shield. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, who are you, Jared's dad? I, I, I don't know you. I don't know you. So Archie talks to him later and says he refuses the medal because he knows about the cover-up. And General Taylor is like, okay, well, you can either, I'm trying to make you a hero or you can be a scapegoat. And Archie chooses scapegoat and says he's going to, he basically says he's going to make him look like a traitor. And Archie's like, but I've already been mustered out. So like, is that really big a deal? Yeah. So he says that even, (laughs) he says that even if he goes on the stand, he's going to say the truth. And General Taylor basically says, all right, we'll see how that goes. And I'm like, all right, bet. I think General Taylor's going to end up pooping his pants. (laughs) (laughs) Just in general or... I mean, like, metaphorically, in, but, like, in court, literally. In court. Okay. His pants in court. I yeah. meant to say shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, when people say, oh, you really shit the bed here, and it's just like, you screwed up. But yeah. instead I said poop his pants. <laughs> like, General Taylor, it got me? No, no, no. No, he's going, he's in court examining Archie for his war crimes or whatever. And Cheryl just casts a spell. Oh, yeah, and of course, he he his <laughs> Cheryl and Penelope are like, quick, let's pray to the gods. <laughs> <For Cheryl. laughs> to poop his pants. <laughs> I'm like, which gods are you t- which gods are you praying to? What god what god are you responsible for? <laughs> One of our listeners who knows things about religion, what god would be responsible for making you shit your pit? Oh, Loki. <laughs> I, I did it. I really feel like Dionysus would be down. <laughs> so so the next like morning, I guess, Archie tells Jackson that Frank is going to be laying low here. And I'm like, cool. So you're hiding a fugitive. But you know what? Who isn't? Who isn't right now? Um, Cheryl. Also Allison Betty last night. He says that Mary is going to try and get the parole board to be lenient since he helped them. And then Archie gets that call from Veronica. And Frank simply enjoys the Tostitos sponsorship. <laughs> he truly... Yeah, what's going on? We got Doritos, mm-hmm. Tostitos. I'm like, so you lost the Maybelline contract? <laughs> <laughs> cover girl. Um, oh, it was cover girl. Yeah. Uh, what's something else that 
ends with Eidos that they can have. Fritos. Mm. Is that it? I think that's it. <laughs> okay. Doritos, but cool ranch. Yeah. Burritos. Burritos. I don't think that's a brand. Taquitos. It's, oh, yeah, that. I want this to be a... Hey, uh, Riverdale writers, if you're listening to this, blink Which twice. I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> blink twice, I know blink you twice are and put a burrito and put a burrito. Pops, isn't it? Pops now sells burritos. Good. And that's and 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 that's how we'll know. That's how we'll know. Ross, okay. I know that you're not there, but whatever writer in the writer's room hates me enough to keep putting shitty Lady Gaga's covers in, stop it. Do Born This Way next. Ted, yeah, I will, I'll kill you. Ted, if that's you, Ted, if that's you, I, I love you so much. Please Ted, put Ted, you're burritos. the only bitch I know. No, wait. No, wait. If Cheryl is doing a religion storyline, can they do Judas? Why would you do that? Why would you, why would you do that? Why would you do that? This is so serious. This is so serious. I want that. This is so f***ing Oh my god, Veronica sings Alejandro because she has so many boys. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm literally, I'm literally leaving. I'm so mad right now. Well... Since Britney has actually <laughs> straight up walked away, we're going to talk about Patreon. Robin, what's Patreon? Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. <laughs> Britney literally went to the bathroom. She left. Um, are we some of your favorite creators? Because if we are, that's nice. We would love your help. Last episode, I told you that I would have news for you on when the um, Patreon-only podcast is going to be dropping. I'm just going to pick a day. Oh, God. Like a couple weeks in the future. <clears throat> we said we were going to do Saturdays. Let's do April 17th. That seems good. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. If we're your favorite creators, we would really appreciate it. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. And it starts as low as a dollar a month in which you get early access to all of the podcasts. Starting on April 17th, which is the day that our big rollout of our new... Perfect. The day of our big rollout of uh, all of our new perks is okay. going to happen. So at the $2 tier, uh, our Discord server will be out April 17th. At the $5 tier, you still get 10% off at shopulux.com, which is where me and Brittany sell some really cool stuff. There's going to be a big relaunch coming soon. If you can't help us out on Patreon, that's a really great way to help us out monetarily without, like, and then also getting something really cool with it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the $10 tier is going to be our Patreon-only podcast. Um, and the first episode is going to be out on April 17th. And um, uh, I mean, we're going to put that episode out on one of the feeds. Don't know which one, one that is. But maybe you should be subscribed to all five of our podcasts to <laughs> figure just that in case. out. Five um, is just so many. So that's a $10. And then at $15, we're going to have some exclusive um, like quarterly merchandise, I think is what we were thinking. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then, yeah. So those are all of our tiers. So that's big rollout is starting on April 17th and um so this is our last episode for a while but the next episode that you'll get is one of those Patreon only podcasts and then we'll be back in July um if you can't help us out on Choppy Lux or Patreon um the next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend um even if you want to recommend us to yourself if you are enjoying this podcast um and you haven't checked out our other ones um I can mostly recommend all of the other podcasts. <laughs> I can recommend all of the other podcasts. I can't necessarily recommend all of the other shows. It's okay. You can exactly, exactly. I can recommend almost all of the other shows. If you don't want to watch the show, just listen to the podcast. See what happens. That, it's, sounds, it's, that sounds fun. It's honestly more of this. So yeah, <laughs> It's more of this absolute dumbassery for sure. Yeah. But if you're a fan of this one, um, please recommend us to a friend. We'd really appreciate that. Um, And now we're going to talk about Jughead. Man, where did the aliens <laughs> go? I miss the aliens. Yeah, Are they still here? Bad. Remember the alien corpse? Remember how cool that was? Let's go back to that. 
I hope he got abducted at the end of this. Like, I have I have diverged so far from, like, how much I loved Jughead in season one. Y'all ever go back and listen to our season one podcast? I don't. But if you do, <laughs> idiot. I was deeply obsessed with Jughead. I remember, like, being so... Like, you I were in love with Jughead. Well, that's because I, I had always loved Cole Sprouse from, like, when I was, like, 11. Because Cody was always my favorite out of Zach and Cody. Of course. Um, because honestly, I rewatched All in Sweet Life and Zach's mean for like a lot of it, like deeply mean. Okay. Um, anyway, and I remember I related so heavily to Betty because I remember that one moment when Veronica, like, I think in like season, in like episode three, I want to say, like she, Veronica dragged Betty into the boys' locker room and she was like, uh, and she was like covering her eyes and I was like, oh my God, I'm Betty. And now it's like, I, I just felt like such a mixture between Betty and Jughead. We've always said I'm just like Bughead's child, I yes. guess, because I just feel like a mixture of both of them. Um, but Jughead being like, I do psychedelics now. I'm like, you are not my dad. <laughs> yeah. If Jughead's your dad, does he have to tell you? Oh my God, stop. <laughs> you're funny. You're funny. You're funny. Isn't there a rule? Yeah, there's a rule. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Sam did the summary for the Jughead storyline. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Sam. All right. So Jughead and Tabitha are closing up the, uh, closing up pops and discussing the finer points of being Duran Duran fans. Uh, they start to dance to Hungry Like the Wolf because who wouldn't? And then they kiss. Then they're both like, oh, Jesus, gross. Uh, then Jug awkwardly leaves. The next day, Tabitha apologizes for trying to kiss him. And Jughead explains that he's not really a good boyfriend anyway. Um, but that's beside the point because he wants her to watch him do maple shrooms. Uh, so he can get past his writer's block. She's not really into the whole thing because she knows that's a really unhealthy idea. Jughead calls his dealer anyway. His ex-girlfriend, Jessica, arrives at Pop's with the shrooms because she's Speedy's new runner. Jughead's order uh, made her nostalgic and she asks him if he wants to do them with her, but Tabitha shows up and uses the fake dating trope to save Jughead from another bad decision. We love it. Jessica sa- says, okay, fine, whatever, but Jughead owes her $500 by the end of the week. Yikes. <laughs> like, why are we just doing the same thing? Yeah. Tabitha reluctantly agrees to watch him do drugs. She makes the shrooms into a sauce for a burger that, brings, that she brings to Jughead at the bunker. He tells her basically to just check on him whenever, uh, even though he asked her to watch. When she comes back, he's high as a kite, and he asks her to, to dance again, but she says no this time. He tells her uh, not to be such a Betty, and then she handcuffs <laughs> him to the table. And then uh, when she leaves, he hallucinates Betty and Jessica, who uncuff him, and then they uh, he dreams about <laughs> sleeping with both of them, but also the Mothman is watching. Ew. <laughs> I didn't even think the Mothman's like nice <laughs> just crouched in the doorway like Ooh, what oh y'all my doing? god oh, oh my god you guys <sighs> I and then when we got that close-up I was like this costume is very bad I told yeah. you yeah it's worse than I thought yeah it's really bad he wakes up uncuffed in his underoos uh but he's gotten the next chapter written somehow a light shines down in the bunker that gets his attention when Tabitha arrives later uh at the bunker, all that's left is a trail of blood leading yeah. to the handcuffs. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I gotta tell you, nothing really happened here except that Jughead, like, dropped shrooms and then disappeared. He yeah. dropped shrooms, compared his new girlfriend to both of his ex-girlfriends. Yeah. He was just really stupid and probably got abducted, if not by aliens, by um, oh, I hope a trucker. It's aliens. <laughs> no, I hope it's aliens. <laughs> but also, like, either he got abducted by aliens... Or creepy trucker, or 
He just yanked his hand out of that thing and walked into the woods naked. Yeah, this I think dude, that's the most likely one. I was almost afraid, like watching it for the first time. I was almost afraid that that Jughead had like cut off his freaking hand. I thought he had too. I that's thought his exactly hand was going to be saying. And I was like, "What in the hell, Cooper is going on here? <laughs> like, is Cole gonna have to wear a glove the rest of the show?" Exactly. Like, like I was like, "Do y'all know that there are consequences for your actions? Like, this is going to be like an issue for the entire rest of the show." But they didn't do that. Who knows? No, you know that if Jug had lost a hand here, he would <laughs> yeah. simply have another hand next week. And they wouldn't oh talk God. about it. They'd be like, hey, yeah. I grew a new hand. Just like, it's 2021. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be like, it's a really realistic prosthetic. <laughs> so Jughead loves Hungry Like the Wolf. And he and Tabitha start dancing. Tabitha kisses him. And they're like, haha, oops, sorry, oops. And Jughead's like, I have to work tomorrow. Bye. I have complaints about this it felt like if like if if i was like a hardcore jugatha shipper and this was like the thing i was waiting for i'd be disappointed i'd be like not only was this super super short it was also like the first scene so it didn't even have any like build up in the episode for it happening and i also kind of felt like it was a little bit out of character not because like not for tabitha at all but almost for jughead just because like me and sam were talking about this today is that my problem with it is that we haven't gotten any indication that Jughead even knows that Tabitha likes him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which I think is fair. Like, if we had had moments where, like, I would have loved a moment where Jughead kind of, like, gives her a glance when she, like, um, you know, when she, she does not- something romantic or whatever, and yeah. he, like, kind of gives her a glance It's kind of like a, wait a second, are you? Or, like, mm, at least a lingering touch. Yeah. Or, like, if he, like, looked at her longer than she looked at him once yeah. and, like... But he just, like, ignores her. Like, she she does too much, and he kind of is just, like, there and she, doesn't notice. She deserves better than Jughead, honestly. For sure. So that's why I was kind of disappointed about it, was just that, like, there was, didn't really feel like there was any buildup in the episode. It was a really, really short scene when, like, if this was my, like, big main ship that I was waiting for, I'd be like, that's, uh, that's it? And then in the next scene, they they say, hey, we're, we're just friends. Yeah, it, it but I think of, that's set up for well, not being yeah. friendly. I, I hope it is because it, it really, like, in the moment felt like the writers were being like, all right, everyone's root- going to be rooting for Jugatha, so I guess, like, let's get this over with and tell them that it's over right now so that we can move on, you know? Which, and like, I hope it's not that's that. That's realistic for this show. Yeah. I know. Like, personally, I didn't read it that way because I definitely thought it was, like, ooh, this complicates things and right, makes right, right. it more spicy. But now that you point all that out, I'm like, Riverdale would do that kind of crap. 100% because we're already back to, like, Bughead and Varchi, and yeah. I'm just like, okay, do a trick. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was just kind of like, when it happened, it's like, I saw it in the trailer, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, like, when when is that going to happen in the episode? And, like, what's the buildup to it? And then it turned out there just, like, wasn't any. So I was yeah. just kind of disappointed in that, having, having seen the trailer and yeah. had been waiting for a week to, like, figure out how this happened because, you know, as far as I knew, Jughead had no freaking clue that this was, like, where we were going, you know? So, yep. yeah. I was just disappointed by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Jughead gets a call that says, Pop Culture Weekly wants to publish an excerpt of his new book, um, but they want something more sensational than what he's got so far. And he's like, yeah, aliens in the form of trauma or whatever. And I was like, that you need mo- something more than that? Uh, also, I do have to say, I think the use of sense- the word sensational means Shonian game, right? Yes. It has to. So he says, they usually give this slot to Stephen King, so try to be more like him. And Jughead said, bet. (laughs) Bet. So let me then bring up some of our thoughts from listeners. So first of all, really quickly, Dave said um, in the Betty storyline, Betty mentions dairy. 
Yes. Um, so there's that, which is a Stephen King reference. And then we also got an email from our friend King's Token. Yeah, Derry is where uh, the book it, it right. is set. Yeah. yeah. So King's Token emailed us today and said, Hi, just wanted to send you a couple thoughts on the most recent Riverdale episode. I'm pretty sure Jughead's drug trip, where he writes the first part of his novel, is a heavy allegory for the early years of Stephen King as an author, especially since they mentioned King in this episode, with Jughead's agent telling him to write like King. Stephen King is a recovering addict who is, has publicly discussed his previous issues with addiction. King has said he would go on these marathon writing sessions that were fueled mostly by alcohol and cocaine, and infamously admitted to having no recollection of writing one of his best-selling novels, Cujo. I'm not sure how King would feel about this episode because he has said very much that he prefers writing sober and has encouraged others not to follow in his footsteps. However, he might appreciate the gruesome ending with the bloody handprints and handcuff. Anyway, Sam and Brittany may both be well aware of this because I know they're both big horror fans, but I thought I would pass along just in case. It's funny because Dave also said, Brittany and Sam might have already picked up on this because they're fans of horror. <laughs> so yeah, thanks to King Soken for sending that in. I totally agree. I, I don't know if I would have put that together myself, even though like I know that. <laughs> you right. Know? I used to listen to this podcast called Imagine Life. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. I loved that. I just, I stopped because I, they started getting really like, uh, I just started getting too into them and they kind of freaked me out. Um, but basically they kind of in second person to like give you the story of this person's life, but they do it in second person. So that's kind of why it freaked me out that I was yeah. like, well, me, I'm going through it. Me? What's happening to me? What am I doing? Um, and so there was a whole episode on Stephen King about, about this. And so like, I was like, I already know that that was me once, <laughs> you know, I, re I already lived that life. I recommend it. I think I, I think I listened to two or three seasons of it. So, um, they were pretty good when I, when I listened to them. I remember specifically one of the first episodes being J.K. Rowling. And at the time, I still liked J.K. Rowling. Um, and I had seen J.K. Rowling A Year in the Life so many times at that point that mm -hmm. I got, like, I it almost became a game as to how early in the episode I could clock who it was, like, which celebrity it was. And I think, like, I got, like, 10 minutes into the episode and I was like, it's J.K. Rowling. <laughs> My favorite one was when you were listening to it and it took you a really long time but I got it immediately because mm -hmm. I knew Lucille Ball's backstory yeah. because of Star nice. Trek. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like looking at Robin's Robin smarter than I am. So I was like, did you get it yet? Did you get it yet? Did you like, get no. it yet? <laughs> I just remember like almost crying on the bus because they ended it by being like, you are Princess Diana. And I was like, oh my God. I am Princess Diana. I was like, that was the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. Is you really so sad her life Her was. life was mm -hmm. so sad. And I've been watching season four of The Crown. I'm only like, like two or three episodes in right now. But like, it just sucks seeing, not that this is a Princess Diana podcast. This is she a deserves, Diana She deserves one. But um, like just knowing how happy she is when they get engaged and then just knowing everything goes downhill from here in such yep. a terrible way. Yep. Anyway, Anyway, um, there was an episode on Stephen King, and so I knew that. Um, so, yeah, thanks to King Stokin for sending us in an email about it. So Jughead struggles to write at Pops, and he just slams his laptop closed. Please, you don't have very much money. <laughs> Calm down yeah, on the laptop. that is a very valuable computer. So Jughead has a favor to ask of Tabitha. She, I, I really think that this is a really mature moment for Tabitha, though, is that she doesn't go, oh, yeah, okay, what's your, um favor and just like wants to sweep it under the rug and doesn't want to talk about it she like yeah. doesn't want to to just like leave it and have it be weird forever she like 
straight up apologizes for doing it. Yeah, exactly. that's great. I just appreciate her so much. Um, and he's like, yeah, like my feelings are really complicated because right now I'm like really near Betty, which I, who I was with for a really long time and ended really poorly. And also my last relationship was really toxic because we had too much partying and not enough like caring about each other. And it was like really back and forth. So it was bad. And so she's like, okay, let's just be friends. And I'm like, I hope this isn't how they just like get over Jugatha. Like, I really hope this isn't the end because I want, I want them to be Way together more. So that they can prove, like, Jughead, like, can believe in love again. You know what I mean? That, yeah. like, not all of his relationships end in tragedy. That's what I want for him. And, mm-hmm. uh, cheating. Yeah. So he says that last time he had writer's block, he got high on maple mushrooms. And I'm like, what's the <laughs> difference between this and regular mushrooms? I absolutely <laughs> the love flavor. that Riverdale will invent anything. But, but they're also, like, not from Riverdale because Speedy has to bring them in from New York or whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, huh? I don't really know why they're maple. Either way. Just, you know... So that the maple sauce is good, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, can you please watch out for me while I get super, super high? Because I have a trauma that I can't access unless I'm doing that or something. Um, and she's like, uh, no, because I don't think that you should get high because I'm your friend. I relate to Tabitha so much. The, yeah. the relate the amount that I related to Betty in season one has now transferred over to Tabitha. Yeah. yeah. Um, just in like every way. She's great. She's making a lot of really healthy choices too because like his dependency on substances to get writing done is really dangerous. Yeah. So Jughead doesn't take her advice and calls his dealer Speedy. (laughs) And he asks if he can send a runner to Riverdale with maple mushrooms. Oh, and the next note I have is that it's really cool to see the back of Pops for the first time. Right? Season five, it took us this long to get to like the back, which is cool. But Jughead doesn't say how much maple mushrooms he wants and just brings $500 worth of drugs. I'm like, is that like the usual amount that you get? And that's why he doesn't ask. Like, does that cover travel expenses? Yeah. So Jess shows up. She's Speedy's new runner and asks if he wants to do them together. And he's like, "Mm, no. So Tabitha pretends to be his girlfriend who he's doing the drugs with. If I ever did this, they'd be like, you're not doing drugs. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. You got me. Robin, you're an actress. It's true. I would be like, hey, (laughs) totally. (laughs) I I love them. I do them all the time. (laughs) What are these called again? So he owes her $500 and he's like, um, can you spot me? And I'm like, like, why did you (laughs) order drugs then? Yeah, like, if you can't afford the drugs, don't. Why buy the drugs? So she's like, fine, but I'm coming back for you in a week. And I'm like, again? This is literally, <laughs> this is the exact same thing that was happening earlier. Also, what about Cora? No, they forgot that plotline. Don't worry about D- it. Is she ever going to be like, did you read my book? No, they forgot that plotline. No. I'm upset. I kind of thought that that would come back in the mid-season finale, but yeah. uh, I guess oh, well. not. I do think that even though Tabitha doesn't agree with this decision it probably would have been safer for him to ask tabitha to spot him you know, yeah to like give him yeah. the money oh yeah but also, like, safer. i'm like you have two jobs now yeah. and you live on your friend's couch you're not paying rent yeah you're, like, you're not he has a lot of debt though yeah i guess the don't buy yeah, five hundred dollar mushrooms yeah. like at least like okay then be Is like hey. this expense like in the in the conversation, yeah, this is a business expense. In the conversation with Speedy, just be like, just bring one hundred dollars worth. Yeah. Can you, know? you can you write off your mushrooms on your taxes? Yeah. Yeah. Like you, why didn't write why, it off? Yeah. Why didn't he say to Jess, "Can we split this into a like a fifth? I'll take a fifth of this." You know. Mm-hmm. So she's like, clearly, I can't t- talk you out of it, but you're only doing it once, so we're only doing this once. So he's gonna get high in the bunker, and Tabitha made the mushrooms into a sauce minus the drugs. I want this burger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also the, like, mushroom sauce. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Just, like, without the maple or whatever makes it psychedelic. <laughs> it's so nice to see Jughead eat a burger. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's really satisfying. It makes me feel, like, when he did it, I was like, wow, finally. Like, I remember in season one, one of our segments was, did Jughead eat a burger? Because he just wasn't doing it. I'm like, is Cole a vegetarian? At this point in the show, I now deeply understand that this is not the Archie comics. Uh Uh-huh. But in season one, I didn't know. In season one, I thought this is the Archie comics and Jughead needs to eat a burger. Mm -hmm. I just feel so happy seeing Jughead eat a burger. <laughs> um, so he tells her that she doesn't have to stay the whole time. She just has to check in. And, well, and then you go missing. So I guess she did. So then what? Later, Tabitha comes back. Jughead has his shirt off. Okay, so his tattoos. His other arm tattoo is some sort of like cartoon dog. It looked familiar to me, but I couldn't place it. I Googled Jughead's tattoos and all I got was serpent tattoo stuff. Is it hot dog? Maybe? I don't know. It looked familiar in a sort of like... Like cartoon. Cart- yeah, it was like a cartoon dog and it looked like a really familiar animation style to me, but I could not place it. All right. um, and I still can't really tell what the chest tattoo is. So if anyone has put that together, please let me know. Um, he calls Tabitha his muse, which is sweet. And um, he said he already completed the first part. And... Once again, I relate to Tabitha. She's super not into high Jughead. Yeah, she's really not. Hey, she's just kind of like, um, okay, bye. Yeah, she's literally like, ugh. Like, she almost kind of, like, cringes she's away like from him. She's, like, repulsed by him. And yeah. I'm like, I don't blame her for that. No, I'm with her. Yeah. It could have been Hot Dog, but in a different animation style than mm. usual. I'm not sure. So he's like, ew, don't be such a Betty, which basically means don't be such a buzzkill. <laughs> um, and so she handcuffs him to the table. She's like, this is the next step. And I'm like, I don't really see how this is helpful. Like, also, it's not It's not helpful. Like, he said he had started writing. Like, he's doing it. I don't really understand. Yeah, I don't Restraining really Restraining a high person is an extremely bad idea. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah, my next note was just, like, he's not doing anything wrong. Like, he is working. He's already working. He's just, like, having a little he's dance break. being annoying. Yeah. So then he's like, haha, bondage. And I'm like, okay, I get it. He's not ace. Move on. Yeah. Move on. I'm tired of this. So she says she's going to be back in the morning. Um, He hallucinates Jess and Betty. And in his mind, he's out of the handcuff. But in my brain, he's just sitting in that chair, just like staring off into space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In this, actually. Betty apologizes for senior year and he forgives her. Mm-hmm. So that kind of feels like, you know, we like talking about visions. And that kind of feels like maybe something like I, I'm like he's still is, hung up on it. Well, I'm like, is this the trauma that you can't access? Like, what? Yes. Like, are you showing us the trauma? Show me whatever like happened at his book launch then. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it seems like that's something that he needs is like for her to apologize and for him to forgive her. Um, his trauma is that he got cheated on. They Which, made like I get. They yeah. made Lily and Cole kiss again, and I know that Stop they're professionals, yeah. but like their characters aren't together. They don't have to do this, you know. Yeah. And also the the Betty that he sees is high school Betty, not time jump Betty. She's got the the ponytail. I'm not. Cert- oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I'm not certain that a fleet of bugheads don't have a gun to Ross's head. Yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> and then it's just kind of like gross, where Jughead's just like lying there, and everybody's just kind of like macking on him, and it's weird. Yes. Then he sees a rat, and we see that lava lamp we were talking about <laughs> last episode, and then we see the alien, and we get a close up. It looks very stupid. It looks very bad. Yeah. I told you. And then we also kind of get a vision of, like, him seeing, like, the truck lights. Like, the headlights yeah. of the truck, which is interesting. Jughead wakes up alone. He's still in the bed, so that makes us think that he's still in his brain because, in reality, he's still sitting at that table, I guess. Or typing. Like, I, my brain is thinks that he's just, like, looking off into nowhere and, like, just typing, I guess. And he finds his, like, manuscript, which is says, Episode 4, the, transubs- the Transubstantiation. First of all, 
episode second of all four so i i really like that this show's episodes are called chapters but yeah. jughead's chapters are called episodes mm-hmm. so i think that's interesting also he's already on episode four <laughs> i think it's hysterical that like they just keep reversing these things oh yeah also you have a printer in the bunker and wi-fi and I, well and then i thought okay well this is part of the vision but then later we see that on the table and tabitha sees it so I guess it isn't. Um, Transubstantiation is, especially in the Roman Catholic Church, the conversion of the substance of... What the... Anyone reading anything about church stuff? (laughs) Eucharistic? Yeah, Eucharist is like the wafer or bread that they give you that is the body of Christ. It's the conversion of the substance of the Eucharistic elements into the body and blood of Christ at consecration, only the appearances of bread and wine still remaining. So it's, it's communion. Okay. Oh! Okay, so how does that work with... I mean, I don't know what his story's about, so I guess I can't really um, theorize. So It's a fancy way for saying communion. (laughs) Right. And so we see the light from from outside and Jughead goes toward it. Um, In the morning, Tabitha brings him food. His computer is still on, so that makes me think it must be plugged in because there's no way it's charged that well. There's blood everywhere. He got himself out of the handcuffs, and then there's also blood on the manuscript. So I guess he does have a printer down here, (laughs) and he was able to print it before he left. And then there's blood leaving the bunker and Jughead's gone. So that makes me think that, like, the timeline here is he gets him, he prints it (laughs) in the handcuff. Of course. Mm -hmm. Then he gets out of the handcuff. Oh, he, wait, he prints it. Well, he's in the handcuff. Yes. He puts it on the corner of the table. Yes. He gets himself out of the handcuff, bloodying himself up, and then he picks it up. Because, like, if you look at where the handprints are mm-hmm. on the manuscript, it's like he picked it up without having ever touched it with blood before. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then he leaves. So it's like, yeah, it, it's it's a weird timeline. but Or it prints off prints out in the right order or whatever, and right. he just picks it up from the printer like that. And oh, sure. Down. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll find out in three months. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Let's Just talk about Betty. Something really freaking weird happened over here. Oh, God. Let, All me, right. ju- let me just tell y'all some of the sentences in this storyline <laughs> you're not gonna believe that this is what happened but it is i usually go chronologically through the episode while i'm doing my notes just because it's easier that way and then mm-hmm. i like jump around on my google doc to put it into the storylines and stuff um but this time like i physically couldn't do the betty storyline like i had yeah. i had to do ever i did everything else chronologically and then I went back and did the Betty storyline because it's just, I don't understand how they get, a, how they still get away with this absolutely bonkers writing. Yeah. There's, there's like some episodes where you're like, haha, well, this is silly. That's kind of dumb or whatever. And then stuff like this happens. And I'm like, what? We deserve every time someone makes fun of us. Yeah. Why oh, yeah. am I watching this? Oh, yeah. 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 <sighs> All right. So Betty gets dressed in Glenn's hotel room and he tells her that he'd like to get her to know her family while he's here. She says her mom and the twins are all she has left now that Polly's like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, now that Polly's what? You heard me. What? Betty asks about the case and Glenn tells her that he's got it covered and also no jugheads allowed. Um, he wants to know her about her dad, though, uh, because he thinks that the dead girls uh, from the swamp and maybe some of the other missing girls from the highway are from a multitude of serial killers. He asks her to review some tapes of her dad's uh, assessments from when he was in the asylum. On the tapes, Hal reveals that he used to hook up with women on Ned's List, the same website that Polly used to hook up with Trucker Boy 69 Every time I get more information about Hal, I didn't ask for it. Yeah. Everything I know about Hal, I learned without <laughs> my consent. 
Alice and Betty sit down with Juniper and Dagwood because they're creepy AF. Apparently, a kid at their school says said that Polly was dead, so they pushed him down a flight of stairs. Betty and Alice explain that Jerry could have died, but the kids are just like, and? Nah. What about it? <laughs> name was Jerry. I know, it's like, my name's Dagwood, but that guy's name's Jerry, so who's losing? <laughs> Betty and Glenn have dinner, and she talks to him. She talks about being worried about the twins. He's like, yo, can I meet them? And Betty's like, that's weird. That's suspicious. Glenn then reveals that he's writing his dissertation on how messed up her family is. Yikes. What a cool dude. I have to say, this is a really good idea for a dissertation if you weren't, like, manipulating her into getting more information for your dissertation, like, you know? Like, like, is this the only reason you've been dating her this whole time? I was like, feel free to, like, write your dissertation about this as long as you're not dating the person that your dissertation is about. Also, yeah. why writing a dissertation? Uh, yeah, like I don't know. Like he's a fully fledged. Like, like he's finished the academy. He he finished before Betty. Significantly before Betty. He's like significantly older than her because he yeah. was in the academy with Charles. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Maybe he interesting. Went back to anyway, Betty threatens to quit the FBI, but Glenn says she needs him to help him find her find Polly. Then she slaps him. Also, if I was Glenn, I'd be like, "Yeah, throw away all your dreams because of me. You're not gonna do that. <laughs> and if you did, the aficionados would be really mad." Yeah. <laughs> Later, at their tiny celebration for the twins' birthday party, someone knocks at the door. Juniper answers, and it's her serial killer uncle and his serial killer boyfriend who pretended to be her uncle for a while. Yep. (laughs) Sure. Yep. Sure. Betty asks why they're there, and Alice reveals that she's been visiting Charles in prison. Charles explains that they want to get married with their whole family present, and that he made Alice get ordained so that she can do it tonight. And Alice did it! Yeah, Alice was like, alright. I love how she was like, well, let's just get this over with. And I was like, Alice?! Alice does the wedding and Betty watches with the kids, but mid-ceremony, Glenn shows up. Betty realizes that Glenn and Charles were at the academy together, and that must be why Glenn is so interested in writing his dissertation about their family. Gay? They banged. Gay? Oh my god, same brain. Yes. Charles suggests that they play a game. He wants to play the pincushion man game, where the youngest member of a family just straight up stabs a dude. I've never heard of this game. Betty saves Juniper from having to do it, though, and then stabs Glenn herself. Then she stabs Chick, and in the chaos, uh, Alice tackles Charles, who had a gun this whole time, uh, and the gun goes off, and Charles is wounded. And the next day, Betty gets off the phone with Glenn, who is recovering, and tells her mom that Charles is also recovering at Shankshaw. Uh, She then tells Alice that they moved the case upstate to Derry, but she's not done looking for Polly. That night, we see Betty load her gun and drive away in an 18-wheeler that she somehow knows how to drive. Oh, no. And that's it. (laughs) All right, guys, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. The most important part of this entire storyline. Chick's hair. Damn it! (laughs) Joke stealer! No, I literally was like, what is Brittany making this joke about? We've been apart for a month and a half, and I was like, can I tap into my Brittany? And I did it. (laughs) When you were first, when you sent the picture... Weird, and I saw a screenshot on Twitter of like family reunion, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder who those people are." Because I thought Chick was a chick. I did too. I did too. Then when they were like family reunion. I'm like, "Oh, I was they- like, oh, is Polly back? Polly's I was like, not dead." I thought Chick was Polly. Yeah. In, and I was like, "Wow, she got in prison fast." Like, okay, she got in prison yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah. What happened there? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of things went through my brain. Having said that, he does wear it well. No, he doesn't. No. The wig is awful. Long hair. I don't. Dude I don't think great. that's a wig. I think that's what Hart's hair looks like right now, and he didn't want to cut it. No. I genuinely. I'm pretty sure that's what his hair looks like. Okay. He's well, got Hart, Instagram doesn't Hart, he? Yeah. I think here's so. Here's the thing. Long hair on dudes is great. 
Um, you gotta put it in a bun or something. You gotta something. let them style no, it right. it doesn't even have to be in a bun. It's just that it looks like a bad wig. See? No, that's his hair. That's his hair. That's his hair. It looks better there. Oh, yeah. yeah, when he's able to style it himself. Like, they definitely styled it like, I'm in prison and I can't style it, you know? Yeah. I like, think they styled it like he's Polly. Yeah. Like, on him, <laughs> on himself, it's great hair. Like, mm-hmm. he styles it quite nicely. In the show? What Honestly, did I witness? If I was Hart and I walked out of the co- makeup and, like costume and makeup department there, I'd be like, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I'm really sad about this. This is um not what I wanted. Yeah. So Betty's staying with Glenn in what looks like the five seasons, I assume. Most importantly, it, you know what? If if the elephant in the room wasn't Chick's hair, it's Glenn's robe in this scene. So true. Yeah. I was like, excuse me, what is this? What is this costuming decision? I don't... Betty's not in a robe. She's in full clothes. He's, and they're like, they just forgot to get Glenn a costume for like, this scene, I guess. Like, does he think he's well, on no, vacation? He's wearing his hotel robe. Like, it's... Why? It's very clearly the one from the hotel. Like, what are they implying with this, though? That they're like... like he doesn't Betty's... take it seriously. That's what he's implying. Really? Yeah. I thought they were implying that... Like, are they implying that Betty and Glenn are still sleeping together? Oh, yeah. They're definitely implying that they're still sleeping together. I, I cannot think believe this, that Betty was like, screw you, Glenn. That's my actual impression. <laughs> Screw you, Glenn. And then she straight up, like, was so mad at him in the last episode. I expected her to be really mad still. But then they just show her just, like, hanging out with him. They, like, have dinner later. Like, this writer forgot to watch the episode of the writer before. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I guess she forgave him mostly. And he says he wants to get to know her family. And, you know, you th- at first when I was watching it for the first time, I was like, oh, that's romantic because I got bloody, uh, um, bloody eyes. Gletty? Yeah, Betty Get Glenn. Out. Betty Glenn. Uh, but it is not romantic. Um, and Betty says, well, I only have three family right now. Okay, I only have three. Also, I asked Jughead to help us. And he's like, no, this is professional. No Jugheads. No. Um, and also, he's your ex, so double no. Also, cause... he's doing drugs in a bunker, so. <laughs> I'm trying to keep you wrapped around my finger, and we don't need him around. Of all the things that I would bully Glenn over, that decision is not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So he says that the Lonely Highway is 200 miles long, and they already have 10 people out looking at everything. Betty wants to also be out there, but Glenn says he needs her help. Consider Hal he, as one of the people? He only has 10 people on it. That's 20 miles. I gotta look my, yeah. at myself. Yeah. Some of the remains are from when he was still alive. Um, so it could have been, Hal could have been, like, one of many. And Betty's, like, really convinced that it's all just one person. But I, I don't know. I don't like the continual use of Hal as the bad guy. Yeah, not Hal's because, been dead for yeah, two seasons. not because I feel bad for Hal, but because this is so lazy. Right. Yeah. I would say, honestly, that it was lazier if Hal wasn't related to Betty. Yeah. yeah. But I think that because he is her dad, like, they do use him a lot. Yes. But I feel like I'd complain more if he was just, like, some random guy. Yep. So they're going through the tapes of Hal. It says 20, there's 20 tapes, so it says, like, one of 20 and six of 20 on the sides of them. So he did, like, <laughs> he did, like, interviews while he was in prison slash Sherwood Asylum. I just want to give a shout out to Lachlan for getting a guest starring role with, with just his voice. Yeah, literally yeah. man's got into the credits shout with a out. single line. In on a tape recorder, like it's definitely new audio because we never talked about Ned's list until this this season. So just like shout out to him for probably just making a voice memo on his phone and then and then being like, here's a bunch of money. So he says that he would meet up with women on Ned's list because he was in a bad place with Alice, which is the same place that is or it's the same thing that's happening now with all these women. So I think that kind of implies that maybe Glenn is right and Hal is the Part, guy. Yeah, 
I think also. it's hysterical that Alice wouldn't sleep with him. Yeah. yeah, same. Yeah. So they're decorating two cakes for Juniper and Dagwood because apparently they can't share for some reason. And one of them is chocolate and one of them is vanilla. Well, like if it, you have a different preference than your yeah, twin. exactly. You de- they're two different people, baby. Yeah, like each person deserves a cake. To share you, their birthday cake. You yeah. don't share your birthday cake just because someone else was born on your birthday. You share it with your friends because you volunteer to. Yeah. You're clearly very upset about this, Betty. <laughs> She's really rude. <laughs> so um, they get a phone call. There's been an accident at school with the twins. And then, I mean, that's whole scene. That's that whole scene. Um, then we move on to them having been at home. I wasn't sure. I was like waiting with bated breath to see if Juniper and Dagwood would speak. Because Jason has never spoken, including when he was playing Clifford, he like the guy who plays Jason has never spoken. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, a spawn of Jason, uh, will you speak? Juniper doesn't. Did. Even though Juniper is like important later, she still doesn't talk. But Dagwood Maybe does. they're doing half and half. Maybe. That would it's be interesting talks. if like, if Juniper just continues not talking. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. I like that. So they're like, hey, did you push Jerry down the stairs on purpose? And they're like, well, yeah, Jerry said my mom was dead. And they're like, okay, well, he got a concussion and broke his shoulder. Like, he straight up could have died. And they're like, just like our mom then. Don't mess with us. And what about it? I like that they just skirt right past Jerry saying their mom died. Like, Betty and Alice don't acknowledge at all that, like, Polly could be dead in front of the twins. And clearly they haven't talked to them about it properly. Um, So you can kind of tell that Betty's just kind of, like, watching them to see if they've got any, like, remorse. But there is none. Yeah. No, they they don't care. And I'm like... I get it, though, because I don't think they have the serial killer gene. I think that they're deeply traumatized kids. Yeah. For sure. So Betty goes and has dinner with Glenn, and she was like, oh, it was weird that they didn't even care. And Glenn says he wants to meet them, and she's like, yeah, and my mom. That's why. And if I was Glenn, I'd be like, because I care about you, but okay. Okay, this is my most important note of the entire episode. Okay. Okay. Who is taking care of Toffee? (gasps) Is Toffee okay? Where is Toffee? What is going on with Toffee? Get back to me in July. Thank you. Show me her. Ted. Show me her. So he reveals that he's writing his dissertation on her family. He's like, well, you were going to find out eventually. After going to the academy with Charles. In love, question mark? (laughs) Lover? I guess. One of the questions that we had about Charles is, was he a real FBI agent? Turns out, yes. Yes. He's just like really interested because Hal didn't have the gene, but is a serial killer. Charles did and is. Betty does, but isn't a serial killer. And so, like, we're trying to learn about Juniper and Dagwood and see if they have it. And I'm like, okay, can we remember that Charles is not Hal's kid, though? Well, he's the child of someone that must not be named. Charles is not a Cooper. No. Well, like... So you can't say the Cooper family. That's also, like, I think they're, um... I think it's bizarre that he's, like, pointing out that Charles is not Hal's kid, Mm -hmm. but, but... Like, someone say FP's name. That they... That Charles and Betty both have the serial right. killer gene, so they're saying that Alice has to have been a carrier of the serial killer gene, and so was FP. Like, what? 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 I know that we've gotten a lot of backstory for Alice and everything, but, like, just like we're learning more about Tony this season, would love to learn more about Alice's yes! family, please. Please. Because they were serpents. That's cool. Yeah. I, I want to know. So Betty's like, people are dying, and you're doing this right now? And Glenn is like, well, I came for both reasons. I wanted to help you, and I also wanted to work on my thing. Um, so Betty's like, I quit. And he's like, no, <laughs> no, you don't. Um, you need me. And also, we're having fun here. So she slaps him, and I'm like, yeah, deserved. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. deserved that one, buddy. Um, it was a very dramatic slap, though. Was, I kind of liked was, it. It was a well-done slap. I don't think so. I think it was very poorly done. I liked it. So the doorbell rings at their birthday party, 
And Alice says, Juniper, can you get the door for grandma? Which is very cute. Yes. But do not send your children to answer the door. I literally teach this class. Do not send your children to answer the door, especially when you don't know who's at the door. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between like, oh, I know your uncle's coming over. So can you go get the door? Because I assume that's him or whatever. Or like my aunt, when she comes to our house, Mm -hmm. has a specific knock that she does. Yeah. And I, a, a small anecdote, a small aside. Um, one time somebody did her, her knock because it's like, it's not like an unknown thing. It's like, is it the like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Right. And so, you know, other people know that, but like no one knocks on our door with that. And so one time someone did and I opened the door and I was like, hi. And it, and it was some random man. (laughs) You're not my aunt. I still remember (laughs) that. I still remember that. It was traumatizing for me. (laughs) Anyway, please don't send your children to the door. To answer the door, especially if you don't know who's coming. She says that she forgot to invite the Blossoms, so they might have, like, found out about it and shown up. So it could have been them, I guess. Um, But it's Charles and Chick. They got out of prison. Um, My next note is Chick's hair. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not good. Not good. Heart, your hair looks great in your Instagram. And I know that you didn't like how it was styled here. And I'm sorry. Yeah. I love them so much. They are absolute creeps, but I love them. No, they're insane. I'd like if this indicated that Chick is non-binary. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. So Alice is just totally letting them in to the party. Like, she's like, yeah, sure. Come on in. Not a problem. Yeah, just welcome I think it's because she knows that she can handle the situation more if she's Mm -hmm. calm about it. Right. Like, later she says they're not going to hurt us. I mean, she was right. I mean, that's true. Like, not physically. Just Right. Mentally and emotionally. Exactly. The only person they hurt is Glenn because that's he's not part of their family. But also, like, that's us doing the work and assuming, like, the best. Whereas, like, I think the writers are just like, oh, yeah, Alice would be fine with this. And I'm right. like, no, she wouldn't. Yeah. So she says she's been visiting Charles in prison. So we finally get to know that he actually did go there rather than just them just being like, you should go to prison and him being like, meh. Like, you have to tell us that he did go to prison. Exactly. Like, I, I was out here wondering the entire time jump if he actually went to prison or not. When you Turns become, out When you become a serial killer just so you can go to jail and be with your boyfriend. Yeah. Honestly, romance. that's romance. So they go and they're sitting at the table and they just take out their guns in front of the children and just look at them. I, I know that you know what show you're going on when you're going on Riverdale, but like, this is insane. Like, did, do Hart and Wyatt wonder what they're doing? Watching Wyatt do this scene, I was just like, I bet he's having so much fun. Yeah. I think that Hart is the exact perfect actor to play Chick. 100%. I think that he's done an incredible job of just doing the most insanely unhinged things. And I can see that in his eyes and I could see it as as soon as we met him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wyatt, however, was, was, uh, was cast specifically as a... Like, charming, good boy. Charming really nice person. And so it's weird to see him do this. And I'm like, did you know that this is what you were signing up for? Yeah. Like, did you think that you were signing up just to be nice Charles, which is exactly what we all wanted for you? Or did you know that you were going to have to do this? Because I know that Hart knew that he was coming in to do this. And that's exactly what he what he's it's, here for. Yeah. It's like Russell on The 100. Oh, yeah. J.R. Bourne got hired to play a prime and then mm-hmm. he had to <laughs> he had to do that. Dark he Commander. Was totally up for it. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like both in both instances, Jr. and Wyatt have done like a really good job yeah. of like Just switching over it. to the absolute bat thing that the CW has asked them to yeah. do. Uh, but oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, so Alice is like, eh, let's just get through this. <laughs> okay. They said that it's destiny for the prison break to have happened. 
because everyone else just like left and ran, but we came here so that we could be with our family. Sure. And they would like to be married with everybody around. Um, Alice is ordained because she was going to do it for them in prison. Mm. Like she was going to go to prison to do it for them. So then in the craziest scene in the entire show, or not in the entire show, but <laughs> not in the entire show, not if you can believe it, but in the entire episode is when you cut to the wedding. I, I <laughs> hysterical. It's the most ridiculous. Husband and husband? I guarantee that Alice has some of FP's clothes here. Y'all wanted to wear those orange jumpsuits to your wedding? Yeah, you couldn't have thrown on a flannel? Yeah, or even just like some pajamas, some like baggy shirts or something like that. Okay. My favorite part is the fact that Juniper and Dagwood are still in their little party hats. I'm like, this is their birthday. I love the idea that Chick and Charles are like, oh my God, our anniversary is going to be the same as your birthday. That's going to be so fun for the family reunions. (laughs) So Alice says that I guess she got ordained by Universal Life Church. Mm -hmm. Is that a, should I Google that? Or is it just a. It's probably like a online like website. I realized that I didn't. And so she pronounces them husband and husband. So I'm like, okay, well, is it official now? Because later they're like, we got to get back to the wedding. And I'm like, isn't it over? (laughs) Didn't it happen? Did you already mm, do that? You got to fill out some forms. I'm like, don't you. I think you need to do more stuff for, like, a marriage license. Like, are you guys, do you have one? I don't know if you're legally married. I don't Um, think so. I don't think they are. Universal Life Church is a non-denominational organization open to people of all faiths, offering everyone the religious freedom to become an ordained minister and practice their beliefs. Well, all right then. So, there's another knock on the door and Juniper just goes and gets it because I guess that's her job. And Glenn is here and he brought flowers to apologize to Betty. So you know what? That is, to be honest, a good guy move. Fine. Charles holds a gun to him and he's like, oh my God, Glenn Scott? And it occurred to me that potentially Glenn Scott was maybe a Lerman Logan situation. So I looked it up and there is an actor called Scott Glenn. I was going to tell you about this because we were rewatching Greenland with her family mm-hmm. and he's in that movie. Yeah. And Dale had paused the movie for some reason and his name popped up and I was like, wait a second. That's, that's Glenn Scott. Yeah. It, it, it does have two letters at the end on both names. As it should. Um, I personally know this man as Kevin's dad in The Leftovers. That's the only thing that I've personally seen him as. I one I I don't know if this was a specific reference, but it could be. He and Charles were rivals in the academy. I'm like, ugh, sounds like a dreary situation. Let's Truly. do it. <laughs> so Betty's like, oh, they're talking about the dissertation. I'm like, maybe not a good time to bring that up when there's like a gun to him. I think it's hilarious. I know, but I just like if I was Glenn, I'd be like, now <laughs> it was really it was so weird when the line in particular was when Betty was just like, you two went to the academy together. This is exposition. Yes. I was just like, girl, that's so clunky. I know, but I was also like, thank you. I wanted more Charles and Glenn exposition. Thank you. Yeah. And so Charles is like, well, Chick's like, hey, I don't count as one of the Coopers. And Charles is like, yes, you do, because they're married now, I guess. Of course, honey. Um, And he's like, well, if you want to learn more, then let's play a game. The game is called the Pincushion Man. And the youngest member of the family pokes the Pincushion Man. The Pincushion Man is Glenn. The youngest is Juniper by three minutes, and the pin is a giant knife. <laughs> That's like a full butcher's knife. Yeah. So she almost takes it, um, and Betty stops her because she's like, she's only nine years old. So that means that she was two at the start of the time jump, I guess. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. I feel like the last time we saw them, they were like babies, but that was like How several episodes the ago. The last so time we saw them, her. they were babies being thrown in the air. Yeah. I like, know. No, I the think... last time, but they never <laughs> Okay. That. Wait, so what grade were they in in the first season? 
The first season, they were not born. No, like... Oh, nine. Was, was... They were just leaving nine and going into ten. That's why That's why Grundy's so, fru- oh, and, so messed up. And, but Polly's older than Betty, yeah. so... Like, they're... Sure, yeah. No, but, like, that's not... Yeah, Polly's older because, than Betty. Yeah, but they... It's been four years since she was pregnant mm. when they graduate. So they've had to have, they'd had to have been three. They had they should have been they should be turning ten. And Veronica was has only been married for a year. Like <laughs> I don't the math's off. Uh so she's like, there's no saving us all, but there is saving them. And then we get these like creepy shots of Charles going absolutely nuts. Um and Charles is like, okay, that's fine, just Betty has to do it now. You can tell well, I don't know if you can tell, but my headcanon is that Glenn is sitting here just like writing his dissertation in his mind, being like, whoa, so like, much info. Taking notes, yeah. man. <laughs> um, and he's like, then we'll go back to the wedding and then we'll leave. And I'm like, didn't the wedding happen? Like, yeah. she pronounced oh, you. Well, they haven't had the reception yet. I yeah. just imagine that that Glenn is just sitting there like, God dang, I wish I hit record on my yeah. phone <laughs> yeah. before I got in here. So they send the kids upstairs and Betty does stab Glenn, but not fatally. And she's like, trust me on, on this. And he's like, you're about to stab me. It's hard for me to trust you. Into my gut. <laughs> um, and Charles was like, oh my God, she actually did it. Charles didn't think she'd Charles do it. Charles was like, nice. How did he think that Betty was going get to get out of this? So Betty throws the knife into Chick's chest. That's a good movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how he survives this one. Like later. We don't know if Chick Exactly. Survived. Like, yeah. I don't know if he did. Like, that. that's my problem is that they keep like omitting information that like is is something that we would very easily jump to asking that's the part that annoys me is that like they're like charles you should go to prison and then they just like don't tell us that he actually went to prison when like that's my question is like okay well did he get away did he go to prison what happened you know and they just don't answer it and so that's my problem with later they're like glenn's alive charles is alive okay well there's another person who was here and was attacked like is he dead is he alive i don't know how he gets out of this one though because that like knife went straight into his chest exactly I, so I'm currently assuming he's dead. I never want Chick to die because I think that he is so fun to watch. Yeah. But here's my reason as to why I'm totally okay with Chick dying here. Okay. okay. Is it the wig? No. <laughs> it's not a wig, Brittany. <laughs> I know, but in my head it's a wig. The parallel of Dwayne the Shady Man mm-hmm. dying in this exact living room mm. or dining room or whatever. Yeah. And Chick dying in this exact same place Ooh. is very good to yeah. me. I really like that concept of, like, Chick being, like, the reason why he died and, like, ended up being, like, such a hard, rough time for them because mm-hmm. of that. And it was all Chick's fault. And Chick dying in the same room is, like, good. And That's I'll keep compelling. that. Yeah. So I want to keep that. So Alice tries to get a, the gun away from Charles, and so she shoots him. And they're like, oh my god, we have to take everyone to the hospital. I have another one. Okay. Which is why I'm going to allow this storyline, because I have multiple, like, actual deep thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. Alice, thinking she killed Charles in season two. <gasps> and Charles, yeah. think, and Alice thinking she killed Charles here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Because Alice thought that, because Chick had told her that Charles died, and she yes. was like, that's the whole reason she goes to FP and says, I had your baby, but mm-hmm. I killed him. Like, I was the reason why he died. Yep. And now her reliving that in, like, even a worse part of her thinking that she killed Charles again. Mm-hmm. I, this is completely... Machen's face in this scene is, like, really good. Mm-hmm. So, last part, Alice sits and just, like, listen, I had a really rough night, but I'm just gonna read this freaking book, I guess. Sure? So this book is called The Bad Seed, all right? It's a 1954 novel by American writer William March, the last of his major works published before his death. The Bad Seed tells the story of a mother's realization that her young daughter is a murderer. Oh my god. Oh. Okay. Y'all really hit the nail on the head on that one, huh? Okay. Oh, speaking of books. Chick just murdered, she just murdered Chick. (laughs) Speaking of books, there's a reference in this episode to, um, 
the book I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Okay. Uh, which is by Michelle McNamara. And I recently, I listened to it on audiobook in December. And it's very good. It's a book about, like, trying to catch the Golden State Killer. It's, like, mm. nonfiction and, like, interviews with people who are trying to catch the Golden State Killer. And, like, a, a thing he says is, I'll be gone in the dark. And so does Charles in this episode. Ooh, all yeah, right. Like oh, that. there you go. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Cool. So Glenn calls Betty, tells her that he's okay, and it's just a flesh wound, and she did that on purpose. That's exactly what she was trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Charles is in the ICU at Shankshaw, which is a different prison than Hiram's prison. So I I wonder if they gathered up some of the other prisoners and took them to Shankshaw as well. I guess. I guess. Yeah. No mention of Chick at all. I don't know why they always do this. It's very annoying where they like, like, there is very obvious list of questions when they do something. There's a very obvious list of questions. And so many times do they just like not answer something. They don't, yep. they don't care. Charles will likely make it. Um, but Polly's case is being relocated upstate to Derry, which we already talked about. Um, but Betty's going to keep looking for Polly. Um, and then it turns out that she has a gun and can drive an 18 wheeler. When did you learn to do that? And where did you get how we an 18 wheeler? I was going to Tony. I guess Tony's like, Betty, I'm on freaking maternity leave, but I guess I can make some calls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe so. So that's, that was that train wreck. Honestly, I had a great time talking about, yeah, about it with too, you guys. Yeah. We had a, we had a lot of fun, like, way more fun than I was anticipating having when we watched the episode, honestly. I'm going to miss talking about Riverdale with you guys for the next three months, but I really feel like our fun is still to be had on our Patreon only podcast um, because uh, that's where we kind of like get to talk about what, whatever we want and um, just get to have like fun with um, topics that we just want to talk about. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And not yours. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're going to move on to segments. So my first segment is which character needs a hug the most. Um, and this episode, I'm going to give it to Juniper. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know that she pushed Jerry down the stairs, <laughs> but she almost had to kill a man. And she's nine. <laughs> she's too little. Too piccola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too piccola. My segment is, did anyone mention FP? And um, no, not really. But we did, so yeah. that, that's all that matters. That's what matters. And my segment is, which MILF was the most badass? I guess I'll give it to Alice, like, because she did some badass things, but she yeah. was also yeah. kind of, like, on Charles' side, so I'm kind of just confused. Mary existed in the universe, though. It's true, so and she, she, did, she did good work. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, my other segment is, uh, what is Sam shipping the most? And I guess... Don't say Chicken Charles! <laughs> Even chicken, chicken. <laughs> where you, where does the end come it. from in Charles? Chick and that makes no sense. And no, that's why I'm I'm like, we don't even know what Chick's last name is actually. Yeah, because we thought his name was Charles Smith. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> is that is that your answer? <laughs> I respect you if it is. Yeah, honestly, it's it's Chicken Charles. Like maybe. Minerva and Cheryl, because they were cute for, like, mm -hmm. two seconds at the beginning. But, like, no, it's Chicken Charles because of the utter chaos of breaking out of prison to go ask your mom to marry you to your fake, her other son who was, like, what? One of my favorite <laughs> bits that we've been doing is checking to see how many fics are on AO3 of each uh, ship. Can you check to see if there's any Charles oh and Chick? There has to be. But, yeah, i just like to know. Um, and then our next uh, segment is our best line award. My best line award goes to Chick for the hell i don't count <laughs> he's really upset about it yeah and mine goes to cheryl for i'm shooketh christine sadelko's impact yeah 
I hope True. wherever she is, she's having a nice life. Mm-hmm. She quit the internet, and I think that was probably right. And if you don't know who that is, you'll probably never know because she deleted everything. <laughs> have you seen the Is Chrisman? <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you seen that one vine? It's that Mary Chrysler. The problem with um, finding Chick Is that Charles. he also goes by Charles Smith? Yeah, the problem with finding Chick Charles Vic is that the, the, the names are... I'm like... This is listed as a character, I think. Oh. Or, but, oh. No, Chick Original Charles Smith. Nine. Nine? <laughs> I love that. That's more than I was Good. expecting. Good. Yeah. Looking for some Dr. Curdle Jr. stuff. Let me know. Hey, anybody got some Dr. Curdle Jr. stuff? I just want you to know that there are nine, and the first one that comes up is a mashup with the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> and X-Men. Oh, Christ. Okay. Are they so, all flash ships? Thanos Reader is the first one. <gasps> that, that <laughs> fic was created in violence. <laughs> Oh, God. In the words of Brennan Lee Mulligan, I try not to shame other people's choices, but that sucks. In the words of my grandpa, you just do things that I would not do. <laughs> what's your favorite What's your favorite line award, bud? My, my favorite line award goes to Jughead for... <sighs> Screw you, Stephen King. Screw you, man. Because, like, I don't really like that guy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Stephen King said the people of Texas kind of low-key deserved the weather because they voted Republican, and I said... They didn't all vote Republican. It's called gerrymandering. I'm Canadian and I know mm-hmm. that. Right. What's your excuse, bitch? <laughs> so um, now we're going to do our trailer reaction. It's not a trailer reaction to the next episode. It's a trailer reaction to the back half of the season or like whatever they have shot uh-huh. already. So yeah. Yeah, yeah all right. I'm going to read the description of this fic just to make her upset. Please do it. You're being sold to Thanos. Oh, I'm done. And I think they meant weird, but they said, and wired things start to happen. Read more to find out how your wild story will end. Remember that we are not responsible for this. Our FBI agents could have stopped this. Okay, so it's clearly a parody. (laughs) What else is in here? Oh, it's also got chick original female character. What? Huh? All in this Marvel fic. Oh my. All right. Star Wars character. Coronavirus character. What? Me. What does that mean? It's a parody fic. Ethel Muggs. Ethel Muggs' mother. Okay. Whoever wrote that deeply understands Riverdale. (laughs) Sea monsters. Sexting. (laughs) Threesome. Halloween. Oh, wait. It says that it is a 5.11 promo. Oh. That's on TV promos, though. Is it on Riverdale? Uh official channel i have no idea i don't i don't think that it is a 511 promo to be honest i think that it probably is just a 5b promo also the name of the next episode that i have that i'm going to mention at the end of the outro was like just on like twitter or like you know how sometimes they tweet the names of the like they show the the front of the script so i'm pretty sure the name that i have from that it's like not on wikipedia it's just something that i found that i saw on twitter or something so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna bring it up but if it ends up changing (laughs) haha Mubby. <laughs> okay, so this is the trailer for. It says five eleven, but I think it's probably just five B, and there is no blurb for it, obviously, because it's forever away. Um, cool. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. I had a revelation. So you've lost your. You had a revelation. Oh, oh I love her. God. She looks amazing. Lita Colt, mom. Can't find Jughead. It's me. Don't shoot. Is that Reggie? No, that was Jughead. Oh. What the hell? More more shrooms, I assume. All right. right, not a, not a lot to go on. Honestly, there. though, yeah. it could that could read like a single episode. That's true. It could. It's shorter than I would assume for a, the back half of a season. Yeah. So it's like Archie is breaking in a door. Then we have a creepy spinning shot into the bunker. Uh, Penelope says that she had a revelation. I like that she's already back in her outfits. She's like, I- I'm back. 
this is a stunt. And she's oh, leading the church. She, she's I leading, ju- yeah. No, I'm no, saying I her like, outfit is a stunt. Oh, I was like, I like the idea that she's, like, doing this just to, like, get followers. She, like, sure, literally, yeah. she, she wasn't part of the farm, but, like, she saw what Edgar Evernever could do, and she was like, uh, my she turn. She said, Lord, I've seen what you have done for others. <laughs> so she's got this church going on here, and Cheryl says, so you've lost your mind. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So now we have Betty and Tabitha just, like, hanging out together and, like, playing, basically, in this, like, lighting that kind of looks like the bunker, which makes me feel like this is part of Jughead's trip. I, I was yeah. gonna say, that's um, a trip. Because he's just, like, gathering his love interests in his brain, I mm-hmm. guess. Because it's, like, really weird. <laughs> yeah. Kevin says, he says, now I'm worried, talking to Archie and Uncle Frank. Uh, Betty's saying, go on, not sure who to. Tabitha says, I can't find Jughead, and we get a shot of Jughead just, like, exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Jughead's like, I'm just really, really wired. And um, Tabitha is saying that into the phone. Dave also pointed out in a DM that the R in diner is back lit up. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I was saying that, like. And the end. Yeah, the bad, the worse that it gets, the, like, more un- undone that sort of thing is. Mm-hmm. But I, I also like the idea that Tabitha is just like, oh, let's fix no, that immediately. Pick, get that fixed. Betty looking in what looks like maybe a, a overturned car. Or, or, oh, okay, yeah. See, we've got, like, a one of those, like, like the, what's it called? Like visor. A, yeah, visor. Uh, Archie says it's me, don't shoot. You know what I bet this is? I bet... So Archie's on the ground and someone's holding a gun to him and they've both got these like pajama pants on. He says, it's me, don't shoot. I guarantee this it's is Eric Jackson having, having a it. PTSD yep. flashback. Yep. Um, like that has to be what it is. Yeah. Because it's just in the Andrews house yeah. and that's where Jackson is staying. And they're both in pajamas. You guys, I don't want to say this is romance because I really don't feel like it is, but... Uh, but uh, it's it, romance. But it feels like um, this, like they're working through it together. What if Archie exactly. has to sleep next to him to... Like, to make help him, him through the nightmares. Aww. <laughs> there was only one bed. <laughs> Archie, if Archie could see us right now, he'd be like, he's holding a gun to me. <laughs> it's romantic, damn it. Somebody hitting a... It's the jewelry store, it looks like. Oh, so somebody's uh, rioting or um, looting. looting the jewelry store. Tabitha is hitting somebody, some guy over the head with something. And Keller is getting hit with something. Unrelated scenes. Yeah, Carr is running towards pops towards somebody who I can't looks like somebody in a suit I want but and this like it's like a black car so I thought that was Reggie but it kind of looks like it's going so fast that I'm worried they're gonna run into pops yeah um and then Veronica says what the hell just happened she's saying that in the jewelry store so I feel like that's part of it being looted or something I don't know I mean uh what a time what a life what a place well if Riverdale if Chad registered his shady shit in her business's name and he didn't pay up that makes sense the cronies Shake the crowbar. Yeah. And steal her jewelry. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I had a great time. I I also did. Hmm. Um, Our music for this good time is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you're so inclined, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That's like one of the things that helps us the most. Or recommend us to a friend. That would be great. If you're a fan of 100, which I don't know why you would be. Ah! uh, Sorry. do talk about that show. We're currently covering seasons three through one. Yes, in that order. Because those are the good seasons. Yeah. Check it out. Exactly. Jump in. <laughs> I want to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Don't watch the show and just start at our season four coverage and go on mm-hmm. and then come back to us at season one so you, or to season three so you know what we're talking about when we talk about season seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tell me how it goes. Yeah. I want to know. We, <laughs> like, we now make this podcast so that it's accessible for people who don't watch Riverdale. We were not doing that for the 100. Like, no. We were, I think we were doing that for, like, season seven for sure, and then, like, maybe also six. But before then, it was only for people who had seen it. Mm-hmm. I want to know how it goes. Let me know. <laughs>
Um, if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. We did all season one, all season two. We are approaching the midpoint of season three. I'm having a great time. I truly love season three. It is spoiler free. So if you want to join us for the first time, you can. And we also have guests over there. So if you're a fan, hit me up and I will get you a slot. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, I love talking about Stranger Things personally. We're currently talking about season three and uh, the other two seasons are already up. So go check it out. Yeah. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that entire franchise. We have covered season one of Star Trek Picard. And it's Star Trek Day soon, so we'll know more about when maybe Picard Season 2 is coming out soon So uh, also subscribe to our Patreon podcast because we'll probably talk about it there. Mm -hmm. Also, it's not Star Trek Day. So sorry. It's First Contact Day. It's when we meet the Vulcans. Yeah, it's First Contact Day, which is when we meet the Vulcans in 2063. Yes. So we're like super close. It could be in our lifetime, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, and YouTube, but mostly on Twitter. Robin does make gifts of our favorite line awards, though. Check those out on Tumblr. I feel like we should take half of these off of here, you know? Like, yeah. I think I posted, like, one thing on YouTube once. <laughs> Oops. Um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because, yikes, it is expensive. Um, by the time that we're back on this feed, um, we will have, like, a whole bunch of new perks. $1 a month, early access. $2 a month, Discord server. $5 a month, 10% off at shopylooks.com. $10 a month. The Patreon-only podcast. I am so excited about the Patreon-only podcast. <laughs> We're definitely going to post an episode here, so stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, and we hope that you'll join us over there because uh, it's expensive and we are trying to live in Vancouver. <laughs> Help. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Appertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y. Pretty much everywhere. Yeah. The next episode is episode 511. It's happening in July. What a, I, that's so far away. And as far as I can tell, it doesn't say on the wiki, like I said, but it's called Strange Bedfellows, I think. Um, so Strange Bedfellows is a 1965 American comedy film. Um, Carter, a wealthy American, and Tony, a bohemian Italian woman, meet in London and impulsively marry. Then finding they have virtually nothing in common, they separate. Seven years later, just days before they are to take steps to move forward on their divorce, they meet again and begin to rekindle the romance. So, sounds good. Sharonica, but the bad kind. Oh, I thought you meant Cheryl Veronica, and I was like, that's not a storyline that's happening. I did too, and then I was like, ah. Yeah, I think it's about Chad and Veronica as well. Yeah, yeah. But clearly, according to that trailer, a lot of other things are also happening (laughs) that are strange. Yeah. And also bedfellows. I bet someone's going to sleep with someone and it's going to be weird. Yeah. Yeah. What else is new? Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.